Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, St. Louis. Welcome into the opening drive. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. Randy Carricker is out, but do not fret. Brooke Grimsley is here. Good morning, Brooke. Good morning. And this is the start of my first official week it here. Is, it is, the yes. opening drive. <laughs> Matthew Rocchio is here. I am Kerry Davis. And we, Brooke, had an outstanding weekend full of so many sports. I, I don't even know where to start. We, we just get into it. The Cardinals split their weekend session with the uh, Nationals and the, and the Mets, winning 9-6 on Saturday versus the Nationals, losing 7-1 yesterday versus the Mets. What did you think about what happened with them this weekend? Uh, you know, it's just spring Still spring ball. training? Yeah, it's not sh- a big it's deal. spring training. You had a lot of the guys, too, including Lars Newtbar and Tommy Edmond head out for the World Baseball Classic. I think you could kind of tell the shift was more focused on guys getting ready for the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It, it is spring training, but I'm still so excited to see Jordan Walker. Had a great day on Saturday. We'll dig into that a little bit later. Uh, what we expect to see from him this entire season. The Blues take a tough loss in LA, four to two, versus the Kings. The Illini take a loss versus the Purdue Boilermakers. That's tough for me to hear. Mm. They will be the number seven seed the going top five seed in the nation. It was a, it was a fantastic hey, game. The he last, won, he wanted you it to end on top with a top five team. The last on, two Gary, three minutes of that game were uh, were very frustrating for me. Not not didn't finish well. They will be a seven seed in the Big Ten tournament, facing off against Penn State on Thursday uh, at five thirty p.m. The Missouri Tigers get a big win versus Ole Miss. They are the number four seed and will get the double bye. We'll match up Friday late afternoon versus either Ole Miss, South Carolina, or Tennessee. Brooke, Mizzou has been playing very well. Hey, I said this. And look, this is the highest seed that they've had in school history. The way that Dennis Gates has been able to turn around this program so quickly and really bring in guys, and look, not saying that they were underrated JUCO guys, but still to bring all those guys together, get them to buy in, I think says a lot about him as a head coach. Yeah, Dennis Gates, I, I told, we talked to him last week, and just his style I think is going to be a shock to the system for anyone not in the SEC. So when they get to the, to the NCAA tournament, you know, you're looking at, I think they will make it to a Sweet 16 type of run because their style of play is just so so difficult to match up with if you've not faced it all season long. Those SEC teams have had time to prepare. They've witnessed. They've watched them versus other, other opponents. When you get to the tournament and you don't know who you're going to play the next day or, or you know, the, you win one game on Friday and you don't know who you're going to play till Saturday, it's going to be a tough tough t- challenge for, for teams to match up with them 
in a short span of time. Can I hear that? What was that? What was that prediction for the Missouri Tigers again? They're, they're going to be a tough out in the NCAA tournament. They I may mean, just, I make it to the Sweet, Sweet 16. 16. Yeah. Wow. And you got to win two games, Rock. Let's, Listen, let's I mean, it's slow, just, slow our horses. Dennis Gates getting them to the four seed in the SEC tournament is absolutely huge. You wouldn't have never, you never would have expected. Yeah. I think they were picked 13th out of, in the, in the SEC before the season started. It's an unbelievable year. Uh, all the transfers he brought in have been, have been great. The, the way different players have continually contributed the fact that Mosley hasn't been a consistent factor and they've still been able to score the way they have it's it's an impressive season for Missouri and obviously at, at this point if you're a Mizzou Tiger fan you're you're thinking all positive thoughts which is where we make our mistake which is where everything goes poor <laughs> that's, that's so, what, so, yeah. so me saying expectations so, so I just jinxed them you by saying they'll make it to the Sweet listen, 16 listen I saw what you did there yeah. I saw what you did there yeah, I mean, you're you know, cagey yeah, you know. you're not exactly a Northwestern uh, grad but uh, hey you're cagey yeah. oh rock slow it down buddy I'm an <laughs> Illinois grad that is much greater. <laughs> the Slough Billigans get a 65-61 win versus Dayton. They are also the number four seed, clinching a double bye in the A-10 tournament. They'll play either Richmond, UMass, or George Mason uh, at 1 p.m. On, on Thursday. And again, another team, they have done a pretty good job. We, we talked about this, Rock. Getting that double bye for them was going to be extremely important. They worked their way into it. Let's see if they can do something in the A-10 tournament, because if not, making it to the main tournament, the NCAA tournament, probably be a tough task for the Slough oh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a one bid league right now, and that's whoever wins the A ten tournament. And so they got a, they got a pretty good draw. Um, it's it's funny because Richmond and UMass are the are the lower seeded teams playing the first game, and then the winner of that game will then play uh, George Mason. And it's funny to me because the two lower seeded teams are the teams that SLU has lost to in Richmond and UMass, as opposed to a George Mason win, which I thought was pretty emphatic. And and, and I mean they they. they they beat up Kim English's group pretty well good, and so I think they got a good matchup right now, right, right now, depending on who comes through for that matchup. And, and again, Thursday afternoon, uh, you love that matchup when the, the tournament's in Brooklyn because when you finish up, it's only 4 p.m. in New York. And now you got a, thir- <laughs> now you got, now you got a Thursday in New you York, got, baby. You, got yeah, all so you, day. you love the matchup. You come off a win. Now you're feeling good. It's only 4 p.m. in New York. Sun's it, still it, out. It's still out, is that, a, is that good news for a uh, college kid to, be a, to have all of that time in New York? Uh, rock. You're looking at it from the adult perspective, not, of course not I the am. not the college kid that makes <laughs> dumb decisions sometimes. Yeah, but that's much better than having. Uh, I think the, I think there's a 7 p.m. game on Thursday in the uh. A10 tournament. So you have that, then it's 10 p.m. and now you just got to win, and now you got to reel in. You know, your 15 college kids from doing something dumb. Well, just saying. Just saying. Get the win and and continue to fight on. Uh, the Battlehawks take their first loss versus the DC Defenders this weekend in a 34-28 loss. Losing to the defenders, a tough matchup, unable to get pull out the win. The cardiac kids that they have been the last few weeks, unable to finish this weekend. Um, they open up their home home game this weekend versus the who are they playing this weekend? Who they got? The Renegades. The Renegades. Sorry, the, Ar- the, the the Arlington Renegades this weekend. It's right there. I see it. The Arlington <laughs> Renegades this weekend. The opening section is open. The upper section is open. Three hundred level is open. For a matchup this Sunday at 3 p.m. And if last but not least, the St. Louis City got their home victory versus the Charlotte FC. FC. Three to one victory versus the Charlotte FC. Brooke, what is you what was your experience? What was the experience like down there this weekend? Well, I knew that it was gonna be just absolutely nuts, but I have to say, and 
it really just blew my expectations out of the water. I mean, it was such a fun experience going in there, seeing all the fans. I mean, they're hours before their kickoff, just hanging out outside, then pouring in. Just I was watching people just come in and take pictures and just take in coming into that stadium. And during the game, it was nonstop. You could feel just the energy in there. The players mentioned that as well. And even, I was telling you, Carrie, before the show started, the way that they designed the stadium, so the kind of roof that they have in Mm -hmm. there has steel at the bottom. So the sound from the fans kind of bounces off back into the stadium so that you just constantly hear this sound, this energy in there. And it was just so much fun. And for them to actually win 3-1 to one, yep. made it even better, right? Yep. Charlotte opened, in, opened the scoring with a with a goal by Capetta. Then in the 41st minute, an own goal, Bill Tualoma is credited for the first city goal in city history. Lubin strikes a good ball, doesn't he? He does. Nerwinski and off to Iloma! And in! St. Louis's First goal in City home history, the equalizer by Bill Tualoma. The second goal by Leuven on a penalty shot. Leuven to put St. Louis ahead, heading into halftime. He does! Loops it! St. Louis City turns it around. They're up 2-1, heading into halftime. So you got an own goal. You got a penalty shot, and then Yao Santa Claus gets the first goal in open play in city history. Teams are still early in their season. This game has gotten chippy. A lot of that is just match fit. Oh, it's a giveaway to Klaus, who clips it over San Diego and scores a wonderful goal to put St. Louis City up two. It's 3-1. Yeah, ter- terrible turnover there, there by Charlotte <laughs> FC. We'll take it. Santa Claus getting the third goal. And, Brooke, we talked about it. Just the the energy that was in that building, the amount of fans that showed up. Uh, they, they, it was 22,000, but they said it sounded like 50,000. Just a, a, a great experience for the first time in city history to have that opening game and to have those fans and to get a win. A team that, you know, came in being, being talked about being last in the division, last in the conference, last in the league has – Started the season out 2-0-0. Yeah, I mean, it, just seeing how they were interacting with the fans too, the energy that was brought in. And look, you could say there was some uh, there was some lucky moments there. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is going <laughs> to, especially that Zhao Klaus goal, the fact that like it was I just a giveaway, a second one. <laughs> I don't want to call it lucky. because And, and this is the thing that was getting, getting me. Everyone called the Jared Stroud goal against often FC, FC lucky. Listen, they're not going to get those goals every game. But these are the kind of plays that they're designed to get. The scheme well, is supposed to, it's literally built to get these bad mistakes by defenders in their own defending third and creating easy goals. That's why, and so, and so it's not going to happen every game, especially against the better teams. But against the mid-tables and the bottom tables, they can take advantage and get those kind of goals, I think, more often than not. Well, that's because, two of their pressing style. It felt very intense the entire time. So, yes, teams are going to make more mistakes. And if you capitalize off them, like Zhao Klaus did, then, yeah, it's going to work out pretty well for him. And it seems like it is a very intense style play, and we talked to him about that after the game. But they don't seem too worried about that. They've been working on this. This is the whole point of a lot of these players getting there early, 
the whole point of like a 10-day training camp that they went on to all bond, but also mm-hmm. just get used to this very intense style of play. And we'll be able to talk to Lutz Fanenstiel a little bit later on mm-hmm. about that too. Yeah, just the the intensity in with which they play is gonna. I mean, it's gonna put pressure on opposing teams. They're gonna have turnovers. They're gonna have the mistakes that they had, and it benefits the it, it benefits City when you are. And that was one of the things that I was probably most concerned about. Brooke, I don't know if you know this. Soccer is one of the hardest. I I, I tried to do a soccer conditioning test and almost died. Like I, I had to take. I did it on a Friday. I called my my train my trainer on Monday and said, Yeah, I, I still don't feel right. Just a lot I, of cardio. It, the beep, it's called a beep test. Oh and, yeah. Oh my God, it was. It was the hardest thing I've ever done as far as training. So just the the amount of shape that they have to be in to play this game for 90-plus minutes, they've done a fantastic job. And, and to me, the surprise is so many people had written them off saying that they weren't going to be good. You know, Lutz kind of under-promising is over-delivering. He told us, don't expect too much. But Tim Parker was on a couple of weeks ago and told us, you know what, in MLS, anything can happen any weekend. Any team can can make a play. Can Things can happen. So it's been happening pretty well for, for City right now. Hopefully they can continue it. And then 22,423 fans That's in awesome. City Park. I have to know. I mean, some people need to text in. Just tell us what your experience was like. There were so many people there at that game. I felt like even, too, if you're just looking at the other side of it, you know, just the fact of, like, going and getting some food or snacks or something like that, that seemed to go pretty well. Um, But it felt like the whole experience was just a really fun night. A lot of St. Louisans coming together and celebrating this victory. I mean, from the get-go, Matt Seabick was on with us on Friday, and he he talked about the TIFO and everything like that. And if you had never seen one before, if you had never, you know, watched the stands, uh, you know, of any of those those crazy, you know, German or Polish, whatever soccer league you want to talk about over in Europe, they all do it. The unfurling of that TIFO banner was so freaking cool. Hmm. The aerial shots from St. Louis with it entirely covered was so impressive. And then, like you said, all the, the way the the way all the players talked about the noise, and you know, some of those guys have played in eighty thousand seat stadiums before, and they were even impressed with the noise. I mean, it was from the get go one of the loudest sporting experiences I've ever been at in my entire life, especially in St. Louis. We'd love yeah. to get your reaction. Text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646-314-399. Yo-ho! Let us know what your weekend was like. Coming up, we got three things that we loved about the weekend. That's Brooke. I'm Kerry. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. <laughs> Welcome back to the opening drive. Brooke Grimsley, I'm Kerry Davis, and we have three things we love from the weekend. Number three. All right, I'm going to start us off with some big news for SLU women's basketball. The Billikens women's basketball team beat UMass in overtime to claim the A-10 title. First automatic bid to the NCAA tournament for them. Just a huge shout out for them. They've been they've been sneaky good this year. I feel like they haven't gotten a lot of the credit that they deserve, and that is just a huge, huge thing for them. Yeah, shout out to the to the women's Billigans team. Shout out to Mia Nicastro, daughter of my former teammate Chip Nicastro, All American, parade All American at, at Hazelwood Central, went to the University of Illinois. Shout out to the Nicastros. Uh, great job by them. Yeah, Rebecca Tiller comes in in her first season. They had some injuries to start the year. Um, you know, they were the best players, you know, tore their ACL. And so to deal with those kind of injuries early on in the season and then make this run late, you know, uh, maybe the men's team can, you know, take, take 
take take a little example here and then see what happens in Brooklyn. <laughs> see what they can do. My number three is the Seattle Sea Dragons getting a win versus the Las Vegas Vipers. Josh Gordon, yes, that Josh Gordon, six catches, 118 yards, two touchdowns, and the game-winning touchdown, a 65-yard catch and run to win the game for the Seattle Sea Dragons. I'm just happy to see Josh Gordon still getting an opportunity. You know, we talk about substance abuse. We talk about mental health. We talk about all of those things. And I hope that this young man uh, is is finally getting his life in order because his athletic ability is unquestionable. He is one of the best players, one of the best receivers to come out as a rookie, to have the, the, the amount of success that he's had. Hopefully this is a, a catalyst to get him going back in the right direction. Yeah, it's funny that you said that, Josh Gordon, because I <laughs> like literally week one, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Is that Josh Gordon that it played is. for the Browns? Yep, yep, doing and, well. I mean, he is so talented, so you never know where this is going to go. Yeah. It could go back to the NFL, and maybe it will be. I mean, he has the talent. He definitely And he's does. really, really good. Yep. Number two. All right, so number two, we're we're gonna go City SC with me from here on out because it was just it was my it was my weekend and it was such a great experience. I have to give a shout out to City SC's team for providing amazing press box food for us. I mean, it was delicious, Carrie. It was amazing. They had ribs. They had smoked ribs, and they were still juicy, because you know how sometimes when they smoke them, it can dry it out? They were still juicy. I went for like thirds. And then uh, (laughs) they had mac and cheese. They had a soft serve ice cream machine. So not only did I get to watch an amazing game, I was stuffed as well. That's a great experience. It was. It really was. <laughs> you saw the people around. They, you know, they got they got the the touchless kiosk. You just walk in and it charges uh-huh. you all those kind of things. You know, the, I, everyone that I heard is that all the line issues that might have been popping up during the exhibition game against Leverkusen were pretty much solved. And again, it was nice. it was a complete and total sellout. You know, it's listed as twenty two point five capacity. I think the the final announcement was twenty two four thirty eight. So I mean, the place was absolutely packed right. to the gills, and it seemed like everything, both you know, upstairs and downstairs, ran pretty smoothly. Very nice. My number two is Jordan Walker on Saturday going four for four, three RBIs, two home runs. This young man is as advertised. He is everything that we have been talking about, the things that we have been waiting for. Uh, Randy and I talked about it last week. He looks like a professional. He looks like a guy that is unfazed by the moment and just ready to take advantage of, of everything that is presented to him. I am excited, and I know I said we'll, we'll dig into to his his uh, upcoming season, where we expect him to be or where, what we expect to happen, but just watching him play baseball is fun for me. Yeah, you say professional. He could be a professional athlete in like literally any sport. <laughs> right. I mean, he's he's just like a freak athlete, yeah. right? Yep, he's uh, he's outstanding. So quick list: other sports we'd like to watch him play. Oh, football! I, I mean, where are you putting him? Defensive end, the tight end, part of me, wide receiver. I, I'm an offensive guy, so selfishly, I'm going to play him at tight end. You're playing with tight end. I'm playing him at tight end because he's selfish. so quick. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm sure he but got just, good hands. But just think about what Mario Williams did to you. Think what he could do as an outside linebacker. Yeah, but you you just you get a, you get a guy brother, yeah. that can take over the middle All of the right. field. Brooke, you don't know. Mario Williams extended his arms, and I couldn't reach him anymore. He was blo- I was trying to block him. You ever, he seen, a ca- his you ever arms. seen a cartoon where yeah. the big brother puts his head on the little that brother's was, that was uh, <laughs> his forehead, and the like little brother starts swinging like this? I couldn't, I couldn't reach him. That, that's what Rock is referring to, for those that don't know. Thanks, thanks, Rock. Appreciate it. Love you, Carrie. <laughs> Number one. 
Number one for me, I told you guys, is City SC from here on out. It's it's going to be going to the City SC game. Being able to cover that, it was just a wonderful experience. Over 22,000 fans there. And I was able to just even walk around on the concourse, concourse and just see everybody taking it all in. It was amazing. I mean, what Carolyn Kendall and that ownership group did for St. Louis is huge. Even I had to go back and look at video of what downtown West, that area specifically where the stadium mm-hmm. is, what it looked like prior, prior. Right. I mean, it's it was like nothing, yeah. essentially. And the way that they were able to build a stadium, have that ready to go for these players, they have, they have invested so much time into this, and to see it really pay off was amazing. I'm, I'm glad that, that they've had the had the home-opening success. I know there were a lot of nerve-wracking times for all those involved, and, and the team is winning games. That makes it even more makes it even more fun, makes it better uh, a better experience when you're when everything goes well and you win the game. It's, it's an awesome experience so far. Hopefully they keep things going in the right direction. Uh, my number one rock, you might want to pay attention to this. My son scored 28 points as a 10-year-old in his basketball game on Sunday. Put up 28, three for three from three, uh, three for three for three from the line, and just had an outstanding game. Um, Just, you know, it's exciting to watch your kids succeed. I don't know if I ever scored 28 points in one game. So for him to have that success, uh, he loves working hard. He's been pushing me to wake him up early in the morning 5 a.m. so we can get out and start shooting some shots so wow. we'll be uh, we'll be getting into that here in the next couple of weeks once the weather gets a little bit better we, we, we gotta we got work to do so he, he's what a, was the line what was he, the what was the full line what he was, was, how many shots I, how many, I don't, I don't know how many at. shots he took I think well he, I know he missed his first four shots oh, and so oh, that to me like yeah, the fight. yeah he, he missed the first four shots and I think he went I don't know. Maybe hit like the eight of nine or eight of ten of the last few. So he did a really good job. I'm, I'm, I was really excited. I was trying to hold in my, my excitement because you know you, you don't want to <laughs> seem like that guy. I'm keeping score over there, so you don't want to seem like that parent. But yeah, nah, very, very excited for him. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. And also, he's waking you up even earlier. Too. Yes, he's trying to. <laughs> he knows I got to get up and get out of the house. So he's like, Dad, you're already up. Just wake up 30 minutes earlier. We'll get some shots up. Like, All right, son. When when the weather breaks, we'll we'll get to it. We'll have some fun. Uh, what was the atmosphere like this weekend at City Park? Well, we'll ask City Sporting Director Lutz Fannenstiel coming up next on 101 ESPN. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. 
Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. are still early in their season. This game has gotten chippy. A lot of that is just match fit. Oh, it's a giveaway to Klaus, who clips it over Diego and scores a wonderful goal to put St. Louis City up two. It's 3-1. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm joined by Brooks Grimsley. I'm Kerry Davis, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and have our friend of the show, Lutz. STL City Sporting Director Lutz Fannistil. Lutz, how are you doing this morning? Very well. All about yourself. We are doing great. Now, Lutz, I don't know. We uh, we gave Jao Klaus the nickname Santa Claus. Uh, how do you feel about that? And can you share that with him next time you speak to him? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, I took him as an 18-year-old boy from Brazil to my former club, Hoffenheim. So uh, I know him since he's a kid. And uh, I called him Santa Claus, actually, since, since the day he arrived. <laughs> <laughs> more, more, on the, more around Christmas time, you know, when it gets a little bit cold outside. Uh, now, finally, he ended up growing a beard as well, so we're we'll moving in the direction, Santa Claus. There, there, there we go. Hey, Luz, what was the environment like this weekend for, for the first home game, home match? Yeah, I mean, you know, it was the experience last week was, of course, amazing. But we knew uh, that uh, what, what will what will hit us in a in a positive way with great vibes this weekend uh, uh, will be will be well unimaginable. And uh, that was the feeling we got. Uh, uh, it was just a very positive energy. The stadium was full. Um, you got that. You got that uh, kind of electric feeling all the way. And I think you also saw that the first few minutes the way we played because we did feel a little bit nervous. You know, I think we the occasion caught us a little bit, which is pretty normal. But then after a while, we settled in. And it just was a, a, a yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not from here, uh, but I'm here since a while. And uh, it was just so much goosebumps on, on, on Saturday. Uh, and it's definitely a historical moment, I think, for uh, soccer in St. Louis. Lutz, now I know you can't, of course, compare it to over in Germany with like 80,000 plus fans, but did it at least kind of rival the experience that you could get over there? You know, it's a bit of a myth that every game in Germany is 80,000. That's not true. I mean, you have Dortmund with 80,000, but uh, let's say the team I worked for a long time, Hoffenheim, that's around around 30,000. So, or Leverkusen, which is a top team, is like 28,000. So it's a similar size stadium with a similar vibe. I thought that uh, the atmosphere was better than in lots of German stadiums, to be honest. Um, I think we reached the like, uh, top international uh, football level when it came to the support. I mean, people never sat down. People stood for 90 minutes uh, screaming and clapping. That you really get that much over in Europe or in South America either. I mean, if we can keep that up, you know, and it's not just that first location where everybody stands and, and for the next, next weeks and for the next months to come, the crowd will be just the same way. I think we have that uh, that fortress kind of feeling I'm talking about since a long time to to make uh, make this stadium health for visiting teams. I felt that way in a very positive way. I, I have also felt the way every time we got a little bit into into a valley of our game that the crowd became louder again and pushed us. And obviously after we scored every single goal, they got completely crazy. So, <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. 
Also, we saw a lot of fire from Roman Berkey out there, your captain. You know him really well. It seemed like the fans really enjoyed that, too, seeing him, how intense of a player he is out there. You know, I mean, he's a, he's a professional. He has the, the experience from top level in Europe for many, many years. But uh, he's, a, he's a leader on the field. He's a leader off the field. He's not a loudspeaker. He's more like a quiet, calm leader. But as he's on the field, if things are not always going the way, he knows exactly what to say at the right time. And when Charlotte got a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, chippy and, uh, you know, and he became, I would call it a bit nasty out there. <laughs> I mean, Roman was the one who kind of controlled the emotion of the players, but still knew uh, how to also talk back to the Charlotte players. So I think overall, he definitely gives us that, that certain kind of edge we need, especially having such a young team on the field and even younger players on the bench, which I believe is a big strength for us. But we need the Ron Burkis and the Tim Parkers, uh, you know, a, a few guys which are, have that experience level, like Tim Parker knows the league uh, since many years. Roma knows international top level since many, many years. And I think that's where in, in extreme situations, the young players uh, can get a lot of uh, peace and calmness from Luz, you talked about the opening moments of that game and, and maybe a little bit of nervousness. Uh, what were the players feeling as, as that whole thing was taking place? You get down by a goal, but obviously able to fight back to get a 3-1 win. What was that, that, those few opening moments for, like for those players? You know, it was, it was a bit of a strange game because we started two, three minutes a little bit nervous. I think then we were in complete control, had two, three really good chances. Should have been at least one or even two nil up and they caught us with the first counterattack, which... I think it was a, a great played-out counter by, by Charlotte, but we didn't really defend it perfectly. Uh, and then you felt it, that there was these moments when, I don't think there was doubt, but there was just the occasion. There was the crowd, we are 1-0 down, everybody started to be a little bit, a little bit anxious about it. But uh, somehow, and I think that's probably the, the character which we also saw in Austin, we're working ourselves back into the game, but we kind of, it was not an own goal they gave us for, for, for a Christmas gift. Uh, it, was, it was like an own goal which we forced. You know, we forced it with pressure. And once we scored the second one, just before halftime, with that brilliant penalty of Edu Leuven, I think that's when you felt the confidence came back. I was very happy with the second half because I had the feeling we were in control. Well, you mentioned there, you know, it's, it's not just luck with what happened out there. Your pressing style play, I mean, we've heard you guys talk about it going into the season, but seeing that on display, that seems to be very taxing for the players, but they seem to be really prepared, and it seems like a very intense style play that the other teams will have to face against you guys. It's a tough uh, way to play against, you know. I mean, I the, the team I had before in Germany was a team which kind of the pressing, counter-pressing was in some ways invented. So I grew up with that, and it only works if 11 players on the field plus the guys who are coming from the bench following exactly what we have to do. If there is one or two guys who are taking an off day and don't put the work in, the whole, the whole thing collapses. It's a bit like a house of cards, I think mm. you say in America. <laughs> uh, and, and you felt that I think that energy, that pressing, we, we also we somehow playing other teams tired. And, you know, lots of people spoke again about that third goal when Klaus interferes that back pass. Uh, it was not that, again, the guy didn't pass it back just for fun. Uh, we kind of stressed them so much and he puts, that, that Charlotte got tired. And that is when you're tired, you lose concentration. When you lose concentration, you make mistakes. And that is when we have to benefit from. And I think we rewarded ourselves now for the second week in a row for playing exactly 
after our philosophy that organized chaos, what we trying to do, uh, you know, it, it works so far. And I think we're going with a very, very positive feeling in this week. We're going confident uh, to Portland. And Portland, well, that, that's a top team. That's a team which is tough to beat away from home. Um, but, you know, for us right now, it's, it's, it's like I think the players are having an off day. They're sitting at home, looking out of the window and looking forward to fly to Portland. Well, Lutz, thank you so much. Congratulations on the first home win. It was an outstanding atmosphere. We look forward to, to catching up with you later on down the road and seeing more city victories here in the near future. Thank you so much. That was SC City SC Sporting Director Lutz Fannistil joining us. And we talked about it, Brooke. It was just a, a, an outstanding atmosphere. You, you can sense the energy that was in that building from, from start to finish. And as a player, you can definitely feel it as well, understanding the moment. He talked about the, the first few moments, guys being a little bit you know hesitant or, or just really embracing what all took place. I am excited to, to watch this team continue to go forward uh, 2-0 right now, and I'm, I think they're going to do a great job. And I like what he said there, too, about how he wants that intensity out there from the players. That you can't take like a break if you come in there. You have to get with the program. I feel like that just elevates other players. Everybody has to be on top of each other. Everybody's expecting the best because you have to put out your best to be one of the guys out there on the field. And it wears teams down. And I think that's what you saw throughout the game against Charlotte FC. That's Brooke. I'm Kerry. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line at 399-9646. That's 319-314-399. Yo-ho! Take it or leave it is next. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? We'll put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646 and give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Welcome back to the opening drive. It's I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for Take It or Leave It. Uh, Brooke, you are a Tennessee Titans fan, correct? I am. There's yes. a there's a young man um, plays in Baltimore now. He has uh, been rumored to potentially be on the move. Maybe, maybe they'll franchise tag him and not give him the exclusive franchise tag, which means that a team could offer up two first round picks and get said quarterback. This quarterback being Lamar Jackson. Take it or leave it, if the Titans were to give up two first-round picks for Lamar Jackson, you would love that idea. Hmm. Brooke, run to the phone. Pick it up and say <laughs> yes as fast as possible. I say yes, yeah. I guess so. Two first-round picks? Two first-round picks. He's Lamar Jackson, though. He's won an MVP and is in a position if he's given the opportunity to do some uh, outstanding things going forward. You guys are going to run for so many yards next year with him and Derrick Here's the thing is, yeah, that that would actually be helpful. One, Tannehill obviously is not the answer, even though they're trying to pretend like, oh, everything's fine. Don't don't look over here with Tannehill. (laughs) Um, And we haven't been great at going and getting some first-round quarterbacks, Uh if you look through our recent history. So... Having somebody that's proven would be beneficial. And think about this. The Tennessee Titans, who have been brought to their highest highs by who? Steve McNair. You get another You get another guy like Lamar Jackson in there? Come on now. I love that. 
At least he's proven, yes. I think that that would be beneficial. Will the Titans do that? That's my doubts. I don't know. They wouldn't, probably. They may not. But it would be fun if they did. It would be. It would be helpful, for sure. This Lamar Jackson issue is going to be an interesting one to see how it all plays out because he is... Uh, obviously, one, if he's on the market as a as a franchise tag, and they're able to, he's not an exclusive rights franchise tag. He's going to have a few teams uh, after Courting him. him. Yes, yes, indeed. That's fair. That, yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. I think you're right. All right, take it or leave it. Battlehawks are going to win their home opener this weekend against the Arlington Renegades. Take it. I'll take it. Take it. You saw what just happened at City Park. You get that many St. Louis fans in the building. You get that kind of raucous atmosphere. You're not losing a game, especially to a team from Arlington or Charlotte. We lose to major cities here, thank you very much, like D.C., no, I, I absolutely, I absolutely think they're going to win. You open up the three hundreds, the fans are going to be out there like crazy. I, I think there was a lot of people who wondered would the novelty of the XFL have fallen off because the recency of the Rams thing, the fact that the money came in from the lawsuit, maybe some people are vindicated. But honestly, I think there's the extra little burst to like prove that the 2020 Battlehawks thing wasn't just fake. That people are trying to back up now, and I think obviously the, the two. Uh, come out from behind wins in weeks one and two, especially that first one, helped get kind of the ball rolling. But I do actually think it's going to be a crazy atmosphere, and I think they're going to get a win. I think the fact, I think what St. Louis City did this weekend just shows how crazy our fan base is and how much we love sports here in this city. So I, I agree, Rock. I think it's going to be packed. I think they're going to be throughout the entire stadium and it's going to be extremely exciting uh, for those gentlemen to, to get out there on the field on uh, this weekend. Well, and A.J. McCarron, too. I mean, he's his whole story of yep. wanting to be able to play in the XFL <laughs> and actually Man. play in front of his kids. Why are you laughing? I, 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 depending Jerry, on what, if time, the number... This is the second time we brought <laughs> up this story. And every time we do, <laughs> Carrie shakes his head like, you wouldn't be caught dead yeah, doing that. I, the, the number, if the number that... I don't know what backup <laughs> quarterbacks make in the NFL, but I know it ain't 60 Carrie Davis saw yeah. that thing and just goes, no. you can catch me dead being like, I want to play football, not make more money for playing football. I'll see you in the XFL. I love football. I love I, I I mean I love this game. But if you're gonna offer me seven hundred thousand versus sixty thousand to play the exact same game, I've never seen someone. There's no way in hell I'm I've taking sixty thousand dollars. Someone called BS on a public goodwill story quicker no than Kerry Davis did. Wait, okay, guys. Just to be fair, he's not getting paid the same as the other guys. He ain't getting paid they're... what the NFL backup quarterbacks get paid either. So, That's true. So even if it's a hundred thousand dollars, Brooke, I doubt that you would catch me taking five, a quarter of a meal less to go play the same game. Yeah, nah. But then you get to you get to play on ESPN in front of your children, have a beautiful moment. That's awesome. All of that is beautiful. Hey, hey, you like this house? I was gonna say you like these toys. You You like this car? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna. gonna You want your college paid for, Sonny? Yeah, we're gonna go. Okay, okay. I have I have a new take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. AJ McCarron will be in the NFL after this XFL season. Um. I, I, I think I'm going to leave it. 
think I'm, I will leave. I'm going to take it because when you're married to Catherine Webb, you got to have well, at least one year where you're pulling okay. that 700 grand just to make he, things work. He'll get, he'll get a he nice job in the NFL. We'll see. I don't know how this, how all of these teams are going to, how it's going to pan out for all of these players, you know, going to the next level. There'll be a few, but it's not usually a a, a bunch that make it to the next level. Battlehawks had the uh, original battle, 2020 Battlehawks had the only uh, player drafted, um, Kenny Robinson. Yeah. Then he made some really dumb mistakes, but that happens. We're going to be talking about that later in the show about oh. another about our about our favorite Memphis Grizzly. Um, take it or leave it. Simo <laughs> goes farther in the big dance than Illinois, SLU, or Mizzou. This comes from the six three six was very mad. They didn't mention Simo's come from behind. Actually, it wasn't even come from behind. I'm pretty sure they were they were leading by seven in the last minute. They gave up the lead and then they were able to still win in overtime to win the OVC championship. Wait, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. <laughs> Is Simo going to go farther? Than Illinois, Mizzou, and SLU in the big dance. All right. No. So I'm going to leave it. <laughs> right? Go I mean, further than they're, Illinois they're and Mizzou? They're probably going to go further than St. Louis. Yeah, um, I mean, St. Louis is not is probably not going to be say, there. I would say they, they, they fall. They There's a good chance they're going to be like a 14. Could they pull a three, uh, an upset on a three? I doubt it. I think Illinois and Mizzou both get out of the get out of the round for the first time. I'm going to leave that one. Uh, I I will. I'll leave it because I think, as I said earlier, I think Mizzou is a Sweet 16 uh, team. Shout out to Tevin Goins, uh, Hazelwood Central Zone. He's a point guard for SEMO. Got to give him some love. So hopefully he he gets he enjoys the experience of the NCAA tournament. But I don't know how far they'll they'll get to go in the tournament. Take it or leave it. Zhao Santa Claus is quickly becoming an STL legend. Oh, take it. Ja- and I love that Lutz actually calls him that, and we we got him. Yeah, we we we. Randy gave him the nickname, at least we thought we did. So you know, clearly he's been called that his entire life. But we'll we'll stick with it. We'll I'm gonna go with t- it. I'm gonna take that too. Also, I I love the story. The Post Dispatch did this too this past weekend, where he's tired of traveling as much. He wants to find a home. He wants to be with the team. He wants to be a part of St. Louis. And I know it's just a. You know, he has been here, what, a year, I think, because they brought him in early Mm -hmm. so that he could get acquainted with things. It seems like he's full in on this experience and really igniting this inaugural season for St. Louisans and sounds like he wants to make this his home. Good for him. Good for um, us. This is an odd complaint. Take it or leave it. The size of St. Louis City Stadium is going to hinder them in the future, especially if management says they are a small market team. The stadium should should be twenty to twenty five thousand more seats, so total between forty five to fifty grand. That is a massive stadium, and I completely disagree. If you were in there and you felt the atmosphere, I don't know if there's I don't know how you could possibly criticize what they built or or how it's going to build things up. I'm I'm, I'm leaving that one hundred percent. I, yeah, I'm going to have to leave that too. And maybe I'm mistaken, but I think that it is built in a way where if they needed to expand it, they could possibly. Mm. But I don't even know if it's necessary because if you're competing with the other event venues in the area, maybe they can. Because that was something that Carolyn said is that they're also going to look at making this a place for festivals, you know, arts fairs, different things like that. And so... I, I don't think they're expecting like any big concerts or anything like that too. Even so, I, I'd rather. I mean, I think I, I concerts at stadiums are not great. I mean, the, the acoustics are not fantastic, and so I honestly think that 
I know they're they're saying nothing like that, but I mean, I think that'd be a great venue. I think I feel like the acoustics would be fantastic I think it'd be fun. for it. Yeah. Well, even I didn't even realize. Have you been to a concert out to Centene Community Ice Center? I thought that that would be oh. weird, but mm. it's actually really nice, and it's outdoors as well. They put it on that outdoor ice rink, and it was a lot of fun. I've been to a couple concerts out there. Yeah. No more take it or leave it. No, no, that's no, no sorry, sorry. We were, we were getting a bunch of reactions um, from that take it or leave it. Somebody's complaining that you, you can't get tickets right now. I think that's a good. That's a good thing. The, 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 it's a hyped team. Yeah, you. I mean, you don't want an extra fifteen thousand just for the first season. They're an expansion club. They've won their first two games. There's a ton of buzz around the team, but you got to think long term. You can't. You can't have a narrow viewpoint when you're building a a an edifice that's going to define your entire team. And I just think. It, they obviously played it smart. They got a ton of season ticket um, reservations, sixty grand. So maybe they could have made it a little bit bigger. But I think the way they built it, I don't, I don't know how you could complain about it. Again, I think boutique stadiums are actually kind of better. I know Amy Trask, a former executive with the um, with the Raiders, is a big proponent of that in the NFL. Smaller stadiums, you really up the experience because so many people have you know prefer to watch it at home. And I know obviously there's a problem with people watching it at home because of you know some people's issue with the deal here, but I don't know how you could criticize what, what they built out there at City Park. It's, it's freaking incredible in my opinion. Well, um, and there will be more tickets available too. I mean, we're about to hit the Cardinals in town, the yeah. Blues wrapping up their season because we know the playoffs aren't going to happen. Um, and then <laughs> you're going to have <laughs> other things going on as well. So I, I would assume that tickets will free up a little bit easier here soon too. Yeah, I think so. Take it or leave it. No coach is worth a first-round draft pick, especially one who has only been to one Super Bowl. Um, Obviously in reference to Sean Payton to the Denver Broncos. I will take it because the coach doesn't play. I mean, he's he's gonna he's gonna stick coach. with us here seven to ten a.m. Everybody, we get breakdowns like Kerry Davis saying the coach doesn't play. He's not playing, so it's true. To trade a draft pick, to trade a player, a potential player, a first round player uh, for a coach, yeah, I, I I don't think I probably wouldn't do it. But if you're desperate times call for desperate measures, and the the uh, the Denver Broncos were extremely desperate to find a coach. Seeing how that how their season went last year, a coach that can hold their quarterback accountable was uh, much needed for them going into this season. Thank you, Rock. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, everybody, for all the ticker deliveries. Coming up, Jordan Walker. What is he gonna do this year? Where is he gonna be? We'll discuss it when we return on the opening drive. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. Walker had an infield single this first time up. As Walker hits one in the left center field, this one is way back, way back, on the berm, over the berm in left center field for a home run, and it almost went into the concession stand. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and that audio was courtesy of MLB.com. Speaking of one Jordan Walker, and Brooke, I watched some baseball this weekend and I I watched a young man in in Jordan Walker he's been playing left field and I know Randy and I spoke a lot about it he potentially could because of his big arm be the the right fielder for the St. Louis Cardinals I went into this weekend and came out of this weekend believing that Jordan Walker will be your opening day starter in left field and I feel that way because there's a reason they don't have him in right I think they really like what Newt did last year they really like what his ability is what his potential is they moved Tyler O'Neill to center field whether it was his suggestion or or the team suggestion I think Jordan Walker could potentially be your opening day left fielder and slotted in your in the the five or six hole playing every single day what are your thoughts about that man I mean he's hard to ignore at this point yeah. right I mean because the thing is, is even Ali Marmal, the Cardinals saying going into spring training is, you know, look, we, we like the competition. We're going to see what happens. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like they also were fine with giving Jordan Walker some time. Here's the thing. He hasn't played triple A baseball yet. Right. Does that really exactly matter anymore when you're that talented? <laughs> no, but I'm just pointing that out is there is a lot of competition and he seems to really stand out amongst them all. I mean, even what is it? Three home runs, six mm-hmm. RBI through spring training so far and he's only 20 years old and I'm not trying to go ahead and put like this big expectation around him but it seems to be very similar to the rise that Albert Pujols went through yeah and 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 he came right up and played right away he's a and and he's the one prospect that they have compared Albert to or compared him to Albert saying that this is the next best thing for me when you see a guy that has the potential that he has the the ability the the size I think the most important thing and the most impressing thing that I've seen from him is just the way that he carries himself he's going about his day like a professional baseball player and I don't know I don't know what more you would want to to find out from AAA from him going to play in AAA if he can play right now as your everyday left fielder if he can play and get the job done better than those that are here I don't see a reason for him to to go anywhere else and have to wait that time out to to get those more at bats when he can get it here. I know what 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 the fear is that he may struggle and you don't want to ruin his confidence, but he does not strike me as a person that dwells in a negative mindset or worries. He's been playing baseball, I'm sure, for a long time and has had a lot of success and finds a way and will find a way to find that success even if he's struggling at a point. Well, and also just an interesting background on him that I think is kind of helping him in this situation. His parents are both incredibly smart. His dad went to MIT. His mother also worked at Wash U, I believe, at one mm-hmm. point. And you can tell that he just holds himself really well and 
seems to be really prepared for these. Now, when I go back to talking about AAA, I'm not saying that I think that he belongs to be in AAA, that he belongs in AAA or anything like that. I'm saying I think the biggest question for the Cardinals right now is what do they do with the rest of the guys? (laughs) What are you going to do with your Dylan Carlson, Tyler O'Neill? How does he fit into this situation? And maybe he doesn't break onto the roster immediately after camp because they're still going to give these guys. It seems like John Mosellock is in kind of the idea of we're going to give you one last shot. We're going to mm-hmm. give you one last try. We're going to start the season, you know, with Tyler O'Neill in center field and having um, Dylan Carlson out in left field or whatever they might want to do, switch some things around. If it doesn't work out, Jordan Walker, as we know, as we see as he's doing his spring training, I don't doubt that he will continue to be absolutely smashing wherever he is. And then you bring him up. You give your guys at least one last shot, and then you bring Walker up. I guess my my concern right now is if you're looking at Tyler O'Neill, he's not hitting the ball particularly well. He's been struggling. We haven't seen much, or I haven't seen much of Dylan Carlson. I, I don't know, you know what that's about. Newt, obviously, is, is in the World Baseball Classic. I think right now Jordan Walker has been your best outfielder up until this point. I, and, and again, everyone will say, oh, it's spring training, uh, March and, and April don't really count. It does if you are trying to get your things together in the right thing, in the right way. And I, I am excited about what he's been able to do. And I'm excited about what the potential is for him. And if he's an opening day starter, if he's an opening day on the opening day roster, how much more exciting is that for this Cardinals franchise and for him uh, going forward throughout his entire career? Well, and here's the other thing is his speed his power and his overall ability just to hit the dang ball <laughs> is what really stands out. And even Ali Marmol has talked about it as well that he's I here's the thing is I think Ali Marmol knows what he has. He knows that he has a young talent. He was also in the Cardinal system. Marmol right. was. He got to see Albert Pujols. He got to hear the stories of what it was like having Albert Pujols kind of rise through the rankings and how quick and young of a talent that he was that you had to get him on a major league roster. And I think that he knows what he has with Jordan Walker right now. It's figuring out the rest of the pieces in those in the organization as well. Ali Marmol had some thoughts on Jordan Walker from the game yesterday. There's a reason a lot of people are talking about this guy. Uh, he goes about it in a really professional manner. He's asking the right questions. And then he's performing. Uh, the day he had yesterday was impressive. Four for four with two homers. Hit the ball long ways, but it also beat out a single, uh, infield single. And he's just playing the game the right way. So it's been a lot of fun to watch. We'll continue to evaluate what we have. But he's uh, he's shown well so far. I mean, just, just hearing him speak about this young man, I, I think – I think we I don't know that I would be surprised if he's on the starting day right. I just I just don't think I will because he's done such an outstanding job and we've been hearing about him for a for an extended period of time. And I, I often say this, Brooke, the most important thing Every year, your team changes, right? So you had two MVP top three candidates last year, one winning the MVP. If you are to get a young man who has all of this potential, all of this talent on the roster with those gentlemen in the the peak times of their career, there are things to be learned on the field. There are things to be learned off the field. And it will allow – it will actually take some of the pressure off of him because you already have – two MVP candidates on your roster that will shoulder some of those high leverage, high pressure moments that Jordan Walker doesn't necessarily have to have to be the focal point in those times. He's just so talented. I'm even looking at his home run from this past weekend. I mean, 470 feet. So he's not just 
hitting the ball a little bit. <laughs> I mean, the power that he has, six foot five, 250 pounds, he has speed to go along with it. I think that it was funny, Katie Wu of The Athletic tweeted that out, is that he even remarked about that prior to spring training is, you know, I think a lot of people don't think that I'm going to be that quick. And he is. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's a threat in many different ways. It's just going to be interesting how the Cardinals play this out because, look, you're going to have a lot of fans. Fans are seeing what he's doing right, right now. They want that on their opening day roster. And if he's doing what he should be doing, then, yeah, he deserves to be on the opening day roster. What are they going to do about these other guys? That's the question. I think that's the main question. I mean, and also, listen, I'm not saying this because I, I – the negative thoughts that a lot of people have about the Cardinals, but I think it's still a reality that service time is still a thing, and 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 I'm sure there's some people who might have a different opinion on this. Maybe there's I, I've even seen some people saying that, that it shouldn't hold them back because you you want to get them signed a little bit earlier that way you can sign them to that big deal, but. The fact of the matter is that 16-day window between that first year accruing and going towards his free agency, that's going to be a big question whether or not they try to hold him back from that. Listen, right out of the gate we have... It was uh, the 217 who said, if Walker's continue to rake, to rake that way, the way that he is, and he doesn't break camp, I'm going to lose my bleep. Yeah, that, I mean, and, and yeah. I have a feeling that's a lot of Cardinals, but I just, I think, you know, let's temper expectations. I just think there, there might be a non on the field uh, part of the equation that might give us the answer that we that we don't want. The notion that that I, and I hate this idea. Obviously, I'm as a player from a player's perspective. I hate the fact that that, that you don't want to start a per, a person's clock. I, I hate that idea. I understand why teams would fight for that or why they don't want to. But for me, as a player and as a as a guy that wants to win championships, I want my best players on the team from day one if they're able to help and compete and allow us to help help us win a championship. That's my my whole mindset is I want guys that are going to help us win championships. I'm not worried about the finances. That's not my business. That's not my concern. Winning championships and having the best players on the field on the team are, are always the best thing for the team to help win. Yeah, and the thing is, though, they do have a lot of games. So they have a lot of time to essentially figure this out. Not saying that they you know, shouldn't be competitive at every single point of the season, but you do have a lot of games to figure this out, and I think that they know they have to play their cards right in this situation. Make sure they give guys the right shot that they need to. And also, he needs to face some tougher pitching, too, as well. You're not always going to face the best guys in spring training, especially with the World Baseball Classic going on and a lot of guys exiting for that as well. I think that they're going to play kind of the long game a little bit with this, with him. He's talented. He deserves to be up, yes, but you have some other situations to figure out as well. It's a very logical and cogent argument, Brooke. My only question is, why do you hate winning championships? I do like (laughs) winning championships. Every single day you should be competing for a championship, right? Every day. But they play how many games? Yeah. They play how many games? And I'm also basing this off of Cardinals history. Now, here's here's another factor. There will likely be an injury here, too. Not not wishing anything bad on anybody, but likely an injury will appear, something like that. So his opportunity could come even sooner because of that, too. You never know. And also, uh, both uh, the 260 and the 573 pointed out, Randy mentioned this, a few, uh, I think it was last week, the new CBA rule, if you bring a guy up like that, you do get a conditional pick that it is. So there is, there is some, there, again, there's balances, there's things off there the go. field that can shift this equation. So I'm just saying we're talking about look what he's doing on the field. Is he the left fielder 
with the St. Louis Cardinals on opening day, or is he, you know, getting more center field work with, with you know, in the, in the minors, you know, right out of the gate for the first, you know, half month or so? I think that's the big question. And again, it's not all 100% on the field. We had another texture who said, hey, don't forget, it took almost the last day of camp before they decided to roll with Albert Pujols instead of Bobby Bonilla. They were <laughs> because looking, of an injury. They were looking for yeah. it was an injury. They yeah. were looking for every reason to keep Pujols in the minors until they finally got their hand forced, which I think is an interesting thing to point out in this situation. That's Brooke. That's Rock. I'm Kerry. Coming up, we go to the talk a little blues hockey with our friend Chris Kerber. That's next on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and talk to our great friend, blues play-by-play host, Chris Kerber. Kerbs, how you doing this morning? Doing good. How are, are you, you today? I couldn't hear you. Oh, there you are. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. How are you today? We're doing wonderful. Curves, the uh, the Blues took a tough loss last week, uh, this weekend, over to the to the L.A. Kings. Had an opportunity there. Um, what what exactly took place and what happened uh, in that game? Well, I, I you know, I got to go back to something that Doug Armstrong said a couple of weeks ago, and, and this wasn't even – this was pre-trade deadline. I can't remember if this was after the Ryan O'Reilly trade or which, which deal it was. But he, he said he said the one thing that that he was he, he was frustrated with a game and, and it was a game that didn't have much compete in it and he goes look I understand the situation we're in I understand where the team is in but I want to see compete and he goes I understand that we're going to potentially lose some games that you know we're right in there but you're going to lose it because the other team has a better roster than us they've got a little more skill they're a little further ahead than we are and he's willing to accept that and. Uh, but what he didn't want to accept was kind of a lack of compete. Something we might have seen, you know, for example, the last time the Blues were in Arizona. So, uh, to me, over the weekend, I think you saw, I think you saw exactly that. You saw the Blues have a really good second period, their best second period offensively, uh, actually their best first or second period offensively of the season against San Jose, and that's a team they should be able to compete with and beat. And and then you saw them lose a close one to Los Angeles, who's turned a corner. They're challenging for a division title, and so, uh, but they were competitive in the game. And I and I get it, man. I get it that fans don't want to hear, "Oh, great, we're competitive." But you know, th- there's a reality to the retooling situation the Blues are in right now. Well, Curb's kind of talking about that. Jakob Rana and then Kasperi Kapanen joining this group. Do you feel like Doug Armstrong, and I know that you tweeted this out, so I'll ask you the question. Do you feel like the Blues and Doug Armstrong kind of won the trade deadline, or what are your feelings about that, adding those two guys especially? Well, getting Kasperi Kapanen on waivers so it didn't cost you anything, um, I, I like that I like that move. We'll see if the Verona one pays out and pays off uh, for both uh, Jakob and for the St. Louis Blues. You know, as, as I think you definitely have a motivated player trying to prove something coming into next season. But it, it speaks to the, where the Blues are. You know, when you go back to where Doug Armstrong took over in 2010, 
And he said, okay, first off, I, I need to advance the development of guys like David Backus, Patrick Berglund, and, and Perron, and, and that group of young players, TJ Oshie and them. And then, yeah, eventually you saw some trades of some of those guys. But he brought in the Jason Arnott's, the Jamie Langenbrunners, and, and guys, the Daryl Sedoris, guys like that, to help from a veteran aspect to speed things along. The fact that they're going to have a couple of veteran players at 26, 27 years of age that have three, 400 games NHL experience, uh, to, to not have to have you thrust guys like Jake Neighbors, Jimmy Snuggerud, uh, Bull Duke, and, and others into the lineup in situations where they may not be as successful, I think that's a smart move. So when I threw that one out, did you think the Blues won the trade deadline? I saw a tweet from a, a Canadian radio station, and and it asked that. And of course, it always has, you know, which ones acquired the best players. Well, you know, if, what if you were one of the teams selling? So, you know, like getting five drafts picked for Chandler Janot, which is what Nashville did which for Tampa, which was amazing. Uh, the Blues got two first-round draft picks for their free agents. You know, I think the Blues did a better job with – I think the Blues did a better job potentially with trading Tarasenko and O'Reilly than – Arizona might have done with trading Jacob Chikrin. So um, it'll play itself out here, but uh, it's an intriguing angle to try and look at, I guess. Hey, Curves, I want to talk about two guys that came back, one via waivers, obviously, in in, in trade. Uh, Kasperi Kapanen seems to have a lot of skill set, a lot of talent. What what do you think his ceiling is for this team? Uh, And then Jakob Verona, when can we expect to see him on the ice? Well, I, I think they're, they're hoping to see Veron on the ice tomorrow. I think they were definitely hoping to see him on in, in L.A., but there might have been some flight issues getting out of Detroit. So I, I expect to see Veron on the ice. Uh, in, and they had yesterday off, so they'll practice today, and, and we'll, we'll see how that gets sorted out. Uh, in, in terms of Kapanen, look, this is a former first-round draft pick of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Got dealt to Pittsburgh. Um you know, we saw him score a hat trick against the Blues earlier this year. We've seen him in two games for the Blues, his only goal being an empty net goal, but we've seen him go into the middle of the ice. Uh, we've seen some smart play along the boards. We've seen some puck battle play uh, out of him, which is something that I think the Blues desperately needed. So his full upside, I, I don't know. I do know this. He's going to get top six minutes with this team right now and into next year. He's not going to get flushed out behind a Crosby, a Malkin, and, you know, a Jake Kensel and those guys. Uh, He's going to get huge opportunity here in a a top six role that maybe he hasn't fully had with either of the teams he's been with. So if there is an opportunity for him to take advantage of in his career, this is surely it. Curbs, you know, we're talking about the retooling, rebuilding of this group and Doug Armstrong saying that, you know, of course, all this is about getting this team competitive again, especially for next season. Does it seem like, though, that the team that we're kind of seeing being rebuilt is very different identity-wise than that 2019 team? Oh, we, Brooke, look, and, and you know this as well as anybody, like we are long gone and far from the identity of that 2019 team. And to me, that identity started to shift when you didn't offer Pat Maroon a contract. And then you had the career-ending injuries or – retirements of Alexander Steen and Jay Bomeister and Carl Gunnarsson. I mean, and, and it's, it started there. Uh, the, the get it low, grind it. They knew when you, when that 2019 team got on a roll after January of 2019, 
Teams that played against them knew that when they were going into that game, they were going to lose a piece of something. <laughs> like you, they were going to take a shot. Ch- I mean, I, I still claim this, and I think it's accurate. The Blues broke the San Jose Sharks. The <laughs> San Jose Sharks thought they were still. They did. They they thought they, thought they were still a, a team that was competing for a cup. You know, a couple of years ago, you know, had made it all the way. You know, and to the conference finals, and and again and. They thought that they were ready to win it. And by the end of that series, when I believe it was game five in San Jose, when the Sharks only had nine players on the bench and then were just a mash unit coming into game six, that franchise never recovered from that. And it sent them into the tailspin and the rebuild that they're in. So we're a long way from that one. What is the identity of the new team coming forward? That remains to be seen, Brooke, because I think that's going to mean another level for Thomas and Cairo to step up it's going to mean redefining how this team defends because they're going to be bringing back the majority of their defensemen because of the way the contracts are set up you know you've got a goaltender that's going to keep you competitive but to me the identity is going to come over the next couple of years as you see snuggerud and bolduke and this next wave of players come in to help form that identity the other guys in the meantime the players some of the players you're bringing in they're going to be placeholders until that happens Wow. Yeah. I mean, especially to your point there, it seems like even if you look at Jakob, I know we haven't seen him on the ice as a blue yet, but from just looking at some video and highlights of him, he's not exactly a defender and neither is Jordan Cairo or Robert Thomas in some sense. So it seems like it's a little bit more built towards like that younger wave speed. um, Hopefully some guys that can score a lot of goals, right? You know, you know what you did see in, in that, in the Los Angeles game to your point is, you, you could see where the speed at times of the L.A. Kings was just a difference maker for them getting to pucks. And sometimes it, you start to wonder and you think, okay, well, there wasn't much compete there because the other guy won the puck. And then I started thinking, well, actually, maybe they're just faster. Maybe they just <laughs> got there quicker because because they were faster. And there's something to that. You know, I mean, Kerry, you, you, you could attest to this. Uh, from a football standpoint, you might have a, you might have a really good safety or really good uh, defensive back you know, but if they're facing a uh, if they're facing a wide receiver that's got that much more speed, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. And then to me, so I wonder if the Blues are kind of still in that mode where that is. Now, when it's your fast guys getting beat to pucks, okay, that's when you can question effort and all that. But uh, but I think as a team and as a whole, one of the biggest changes that's going to have to happen for this group, I thought going into this season, and, and it, I was obviously proven to be a little nuts and wrong on this, but I thought, okay, I didn't think that the Blues were going to have the nine guys getting 20 goals. That, that was a hell of an offensive year they had the year before. And especially with the loss of David Perron, you figure there's going to be a drop-off. But with the quality of the defensemen that they have and with the goaltender that they have, even if you lose a half a goal a game, I thought you could make that up by just better defensive hockey. That's what didn't happen this year. Somewhere between the rest of this year and into the offseason, the coaching staff, Doug Armstrong, and the players are going to have to figure out how to play better defensive hockey. And by cutting down on goals against, you're going to really help your competitive level. And then to do that, yeah, you might have to get that speed game more into your game. Blues take on the Coyotes tomorrow at 8 p.m. Pre-game starts at 7. Curves will be listening in. Thank you. Talk to you next week. All right, you guys. Have an awesome week. Thanks. Bye. That was play-by-play analyst Chris Kerber joining us from the Blues booth. Coming up next... We got to fight, but 
Rock, we need a fighter, don't we? We need a fighter. <laughs> you, fortunately for you, fighter, you'll be taking on me. Like, yeah, I was going to say, who's doing the fight here? Because I might have to change the questions oh, if don't it, sell depending on who it is. Short. Yeah, oh, I'm not making mine, Brooke. No one is. <laughs> the, the fight is next on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight in the red corner. Joe Listener, and in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive, please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome everyone into the fight here on 101 ESPN and 101ESPN.com. This is the opening drive. I'm Matthew Rocchio. That is Brooke Grimsley. Carrie Davis, our fearless leader this week with Randy Carricker out in Arizona. He is out in the hallway because this is the fight, and that means he cannot hear these questions. He is in the cone of silence, and we're going to bring in our contestant for the day, David. David, congratulations for being on the fight. How are you feeling today? Outstanding for a Monday morning. Nice. Good to hear, David. Now you, you you got a little bit lucky. I saw on the text line that you're very you were you've been waiting a long time to get into the fight, and now you get to pull Kerry Davis instead of Megamind. Are you feeling lucky here on a Monday? Yes, that's why I said it. <laughs> I love I love the energy right now. I love it, David. Thank you. Absolutely, David. Are you ready to get started with the fight? Let's rock and roll. Brooke Grimsley, take All it away. All right, here we go. Is this, your, is this, the first, this is your first official fight. First official. Yeah, I've done Because you, 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 you hosted a little bit on Friday. You hosted a little bit on Friday. David, are you okay? Did you just get swallowed by, by, by a whale? Um, you hosted a little bit on Friday, but this is the first time you've really, as, as a host officially, Kind of doing this all, all, all on yeah. your own. This is this is big for you, Brooke. This, you ready? This is big. I'm going to try to match David's energy this it. morning. <laughs> you can handle no problem, Brooke. Yeah, uh, thank it, you, you David. All right. Here we go. First question. How many times did Isaac Bruce lead the NFL in receiving yards? One, two, or three? Two. On this day in 1964, Muhammad Ali changed his name to Muhammad Ali. What was Ali's name before the change? Was it Chris Jackson? Chris Clay. There it is. Didn't even need the options. Wow. Three Cardinals. (laughs) Three Cardinals have led the National League in home runs in multiple seasons. Johnny Mize, Albert Pujols, and who else? Here are the options. Rogers Hornsby, Joe Medwick, Mark McGuire. Hmm. Well, I'm a big Mac fan, but I don't think it was him. I have no idea who the other guy is, so uh, I'll go with Roger Swornsby. All right, and there are only two of the original NFL founding franchises still in operation. The now Arizona Cardinals and what other franchise? Is it the Green Bay Packers, the Cleveland Browns, or the Chicago Bears? Green Bay. All right, we will double check our score, and then we will bring in Kerry Davis. All right, David, how how are you feeling? Uh, yeah, it's a lot easier to do without being on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I kind of feel like it's almost like you always watch people on game shows on TV, and you're like, "Oh, come on, that's so easy. How did you not get that?" And then you get you would actually get on there, and you just absolutely bomb it. That's why I feel like it feel like sometimes doing these games where it's like, "Oh, yeah, it's easy," and then you get in the moment, you're like, "Oh no." (laughs) Jeopardy. 
Yeah. Watch a lot yes. of Jeopardy. Like, yeah, I know that. I know that. I know. Wait a minute. Wait we're a we're all like, you know, champs in Jeopardy on our couch at home, oh, right? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Undefeated. That's right. Our quarterbacks. Kerry is now in the studio, and much like Randy Carricker, he came hydrated. I like I like the, the giant gallon jug with all the motivational sayings for what yeah. time you're drinking it at. Kerry, yeah. say hello to David. David, how are you doing today? Good morning, Kerry. How are you today? I am doing well. David was very happy that I called him on a day when it was it was <laughs> as, not Megamind. As he should be. Yeah, you're not going to hold that against him? Uh, I, I don't care. I, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm game everything. I'm a paratrooper. I'll do anything. I'm ready to roll, too. There oh, it wow, is. There paratrooper. Is. Yeah. yeah you so think you were a paratrooper, sir? Yes, I was. United States Army uh, Combat Airborne. Well, thank you for thank your service. You. Thank you for your service. We greatly appreciate it. <laughs> Appreciate the support. And, and, and I'm sorry, I don't think Carrie's going to go easy on you. Carrie, <laughs> now here's a quick question, Carrie. You're in Megamind's chair, essentially, not, not yeah, literally. Yeah. Are you going to be taking the options? Are you playing this uh, Megamind style? Yeah, I probably should take the options. Wow. I, I know. I know. Uh, listen, that's the attitude that got you the NFL. Me, huh? I only get one. Uh, does Megamind. <laughs> okay, how about this? I'll take two options. Carrie will take two options. All right. Yeah. Let me read it to me first. And then if I need the option, I get two. Randy only gets one. So how right. about that? Is fair that enough. Fair, fair enough. Right. Fair enough. Don't read the answers. Okay. All right. Brooks, start them off. You all, now, listen, if this goes bad, this is you all's fault. Yeah, right. Hey, Rock, <laughs> this is on you. All right. All right. Question number one. How many times did Isaac Bruce lead the NFL in receiving yards? Oh, my God. Oh, that is a very tough question. I'm going to, well, I know the options are going to be like 0, 1, 2, or 1, 2, 3, so I don't need any options on this one. Um, Again, I like Megamind. I like this. Let's go. I, my heart wants to say 0 because I don't think he ever led it, but I'm going to go 1. On this day in 1964, Muhammad Ali changed his name to Muhammad Ali. What was Ali's name before the change? Cassius Clay. Three Cardinals. I'm going to call him Clay. I'm going to call him Clay. <laughs> You're going to call him Clay. Yeah. But, 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 we, but we don't. <laughs> okay, question number don't three. Three Cardinals have led the National League in home runs in multiple seasons. Johnny Mize, Albert Pujols, and who else? Have led the National League. Okay, give me the options. Okay, but only two, right? No, no, no. I get two questions. I I need all three options. You need all three? Okay, all right, all right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Rogers Hornsby, Joe Medwick, or Mark McGuire? Oh, how many seasons? Two seasons, you said? Only only Uh, multiple seasons. Multiple seasons. Oh. Were they Cardinals when they did it? Yes. Okay. So I think. The, the natural answer might be Maguire because he obviously did it once, but did he do it twice? Mm. Uh, let's go Mark Maguire. All right, and there are only two of the original NFL founding franchises still in operation, the now Arizona Cardinals and what other franchise? I think I know this, but I'm going to take the options. Wow, you're not even going to try no, to do I a think Megamind I know it, style. But I, I need to hear it. Unbelievable. Is it the Green Bay Packers? The Cleveland Browns or the Chicago Bears? Chicago Bears. That's what I was hoping for. I'm pretty sure it's Chicago. Let's see what happened here. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm proud to say I'm shocked at the result of today's fight. (laughs) David came in, facing off against a non-Megamind 
Is he able to get a win? Is he going to sneak into the Hall of Fame, which would make Randy Carricker furious? Or is Kerry Davis just putting in yeoman's work in that seat for Megamind? Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Just win, baby. He four-jacked it. Kerry Davis hey. went, went four correct, which means, Kerry, you, wow. know, you know what just happens, David, just a moment. You know what just happened to you, Kerry, right? What happened? You have to go full Megamind the rest oh. of the week now. You got all four on <laughs> day number one. one. I just wanted to so make sure. So you got to go full Megamind the rest all of the right. week. I'm sorry, David. <laughs> Kerry Davis uh, absolute went ringer status on you, and he went four to one on the win. David, I'm very sorry. I Yikes. thought I thought the I thought minus Megamind would be a little bit different, but apparently there's something in the room. Yeah. I learned oh. a thing or two, about a thing or two here. <laughs> Let's go through those answers. You heard them all from Kerry Davis. 1996, Isaac Bruce, a special season, his sophomore campaign in the NFL, the only year he ever led the NFL in receiving just one time. On this day, 1964, Muhammad Ali changed his name to Muhammad Ali. It was, of course, Cassius Clay. That's why I always think that clip's funny, because everyone says, Mama called him Clay, I'm going to call him Clay, and then no one does. Uh, three Cardinals have led the NFL in home runs in multiple seasons, and all three of them did it in twice, and they all three of them did that in back-to-back years. Johnny Mize did it, Mark McGuire did it, and then Albert Pujols did it. So there are your three Cardinals to have done that. And there are only two of the original NFL frowning franchises still in operation. The now Arizona Cardinals and what other franchise it is. In fact, the Chicago Bears, the Hallis family, bringing them in long, long time ago. Of course, the Acme Packers from Green Bay would join not long later. A 4-1 win for Kerry Davis. David, thank you so much for joining the show and joining the fight today. Good job, David. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you, and thank you for your service again, sir. Oh, that felt very good. Yeah, Carrie, how do you feel about that? <laughs> felt pretty good. I, I I can't complain about that at all. Wow. Yeah, there were. But yeah, there you, was, you there dug was yourself a hole now. Yeah, it's gonna be rough for us the week, buddy. Uh, yes, I set the bar too high for myself. It's gonna be rough. There was times that I was concerned. I'm looking at like the answers, and then you would like kind of teeter away from yeah. it, and then I'm like, oh no, and then you you went right back. But yeah. all but also David's energy today. Top tier. I just need. I'm. I'm just saying. The next four days, people. If you want to be on the fight, be on the fight this week because Kerry Davis now is not going to get options for the rest of the week. So uh, I'll get one, like Randy. The does. bludgeoning's about to get turned <laughs> around. Coming up, the Blues made a lot of moves at the deadline. We'll talk to the GM Doug Armstrong oh, about that. That's a nine. What time is it? Oh, goodness well, he gracious. can tease ahead. At he can tease ahead, we will, Rockio. We will talk with Doug Armstrong. But coming up next, City Park had an outstanding first home match experience. Listeners, text in, drop your mic drops, text into the Air Comfort Service text line at 314-399-YO-HO or 314-399-9646. We want your thoughts on how the environment was this weekend. That's next on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Live from the Car Shield Studio, this is the opening drive on 101 ESPN.
Sure, I mean, and I think you could see that on full display tonight in certain moments, right? So it was just wave after wave after wave and relentless. So um, I would like us to, you know, can we be a little bit more clinical? Can we be a little bit more penetrating in the final third? I think there's a lot of things to look at, um, but for the first and foremost, I said it in the opening statement, tonight was not about the result, right? Tonight was about the celebration of the city and, and uh, what it means to the people uh, to bring soccer to this Moving town. To put St. Louis ahead, heading into halftime. He does, loops it, St. Louis City turns it around, they're up 2-1, heading into halftime. Teams are still early in their season, this game has gotten chippy, a lot of that is just match fit. Oh, it's a giveaway to Klaus, who clips it over Diego and scores a wonderful goal to put St. Louis City up 2, it's 3-1. Welcome back to the opening drive. Brooke Grimsley here. Kerry Davis here. That was head coach of St. Louis City, Bradley Carnell, talking to us about the St. Louis City experience. And, Brooke, you were at the game this weekend. You you were able to take in that atmosphere, an outstanding atmosphere from, from all accounts. What were your takeaways from, from this weekend and really of this, of this soccer club? Well, first I'll start with the environment that was created. You have that block party the night before. And then you have all the fans. They were able to also block off the street, which I thought was nice, so that you had those bars like Maggie O'Brien's and the pitch that are right there kind of like across mm-hmm. from the stadium. So they were able to block that off so people could kind of you know hang out in that little section of the street, go from the bar safely over to the stadium. So I thought creating that environment was great, the hype around it, so that you carried that into the stadium. You could feel that energy. And then, two, the performance on the field was great, too. Yep. I think that what Lutz said earlier when we had him on was true, that it took them a little bit to get going, you know, that sometimes the moment is really big Mm -hmm. and it can be distracting having all that going on. And I think that they were just obviously excited. I mean, how would you not? Right, (laughs) With everything that's going on, you're finally playing your first home match of the regular season in there. And, but then once things started going, you got to see their style of play and it's very intense. It feels like they're constantly going. They're causing um, a lot of intense moments, even, you know, I mean, Charlotte FC, it was a very chippy team, too, that they were playing against. You like to see that as well. There was a lot of moments that fans could get into. And I just thought, overall, great experience, great game. And I was, like, texting people. I'm like, look, even if you don't like soccer, you got to go to a game this season there. I think anytime you have a moment like the first home match ever in St. Louis City uh, history, you you have, you think about teams that after they win a championship and it's the, the ring ceremony and bearer, they're, they're bringing down the uh, the banner night. So there are there are going to be that those moments early in the game or early in the match where you're kind of still <laughs> out of it, so to speak. But to get down a goal, to be able to come back, win the game 3-1. to one. And and as you said, Lutz talked about the chippiness. We had the audio from Bradley Carnell talking about the chippiness. When you're a, a an expansion franchise, so a young team as, as in terms of all being together and can fight through all of that adversity, opening night – chippiness down a goal and be able to come back and win the game that's that speaks clearly and loudly to the environment that it was and how much the fans actually breathe life and energy into those players on that pitch yeah and charlotte fc we knew going into this game they have a player that likes to get under people's skin i believe i'm saying his last name last name correctly it's enzo capetti and so if you were able to watch that game capetti was doing everything that he could 
to really throw City SC off their game. I mean, there was even a moment that him and Roman Berkey were kind of face-to-face with each other. Mm-hmm. And you could tell that he was doing everything he could to get underneath their skin. They did not falter. They did not break. Yes, he scored the first goal. But after that, the way that they were able to bounce back and respond to him and the way that he was trying to get underneath their skin, I thought that said a lot about the group, too. You talked about the noise in the environment. Bradley Cornell had some, no- had some, had some uh, words about the noise as well. Noise, yeah. This was incredible. But you just think of the piercing sound, you know. Against Leverkusen, um, it was it was very quiet on a cold, chilly night with 20 degrees, right? And you were wondering how it would come out tonight. But last night, the party started, and the fans brought it today. And uh, I said to the players, I said to the staff, this has been incredible, you know. So a big thank you to the fans. Um, this was something that you can't compare to, to Europe, right? So, um, yeah, I think we've set the bar really high. There's not too many stadiums uh, with this atmosphere, I can tell you that now. Yeah, I mean, the environment was absolutely electric in there. And as I mentioned, if you didn't hear it earlier on in the show, the way that they built the stadium, they have the steel that's underneath kind of that top of the stadium. Um, Would you call it stop the stadium? It's not like a, it's not, what would you say that that is that's over the stadium? It's kind of a roof. Half kind of half 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 I don't know how to describe <laughs> it. Either way, okay, so, so the, Overhang the, the, roof under, yeah. <laughs> the roof underneath it has steel so that the sound bounces off of it and back into the stadium so it seems constantly really loud, which it was because fans, I didn't see anybody sitting, if I'm mm. being honest. I mean, they were standing the entire time. I think the only people who were sitting were us in the press box is what it felt like. And the commissioner, Don Garber, even was was kind of shocked by how many people really were standing and the fact that it was that pervasive across the entire first half, and then it continued throughout the entire second half, too. Yeah. It was impressive. Yeah. That's Brooke. I'm Kerry. Coming up next, the Blues have made a lot of moves prior to the trade deadline. We'll talk to Doug Armstrong about those and more when we return on the opening drive. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the opening drive. Joined by Brooke Grimsley, I'm Kerry Davis, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and talk to Blues GM Doug Armstrong. Doug, good morning. How are you doing today? I'm very good. How are you guys? We're doing well. Hey, hey, Army, we had a, had a wanted to ask you this. You all made a lot of moves prior to the deadline. Was there any thought or, or consideration of possibly signing any of those players prior to them being moved? Uh, yeah, we, we talked to a couple of guys about uh, potential extensions and uh, – uh, but at the end of the day, we felt that it was in our best interest to, to move the guys, get the assets, and attack things in free agency. Uh, but we did we did talk to a couple of guys, and we couldn't come to uh, something that everyone was comfortable with. Army, also, let's dive into the guys that you guys just brought, brought in with Kasperi Kapanen and Jakob Rana. What did you see in those guys, and how do you assess that they will help this team moving forward for the rest of the season, and even after the fact, too, with their contracts? Well, when you, you look at both players, they were former first-round picks. Uh, Ron has won a Stanley Cup in Washington, so he knows what it's like to play in big games. And, and Kapanen has, uh, has scored in the league. Uh, both just were, were not fitting in with the organizations that they were, they were at. They're both in their you know, mid-20s, so they had a lot to prove. They want to stay in the league for a long time. And it felt like it was a, a risk that we could take, knowing that they had contracts for next year. We can get them comfortable with our organization with St. Louis over the next uh, 
a little while this season and come in next year with something to prove for them and for us. And it, it just seemed like a, a low risk, high reward uh, opportunity. And where we are, you know, in our in our growth pattern uh, moving forward, I thought it, it was good to have guys on highly motivated players on one year deals. Uh, that gives them and us some flexibility moving forward. Hey, Army, when you make a, a move like the moves that you all have made, you know, uh, moving a bunch of players to other teams and then bringing players back, is there ever any concern about the continuity or or the fit of players when they come in and how this team is going to go forward? Yeah, you're certainly always worried about that. You you know when you, when you remove players that have a uh, high standard or high uh, pedigree in our locker room, there's going to be some uh, – disappointment more obviously from the veteran players that have been around them for a long time uh but you you know we put ourselves in a position where you really can't worry about feelings uh at this time of year if if we were in in a very good playoff spot or fighting for a playoff spot we did this i i could understand the frustration but i think our our frustration from players to coaches to trainers to management is is singular that we all know that we haven't done our job well this year and and these are the results for doing that Hey, you talked about assets and the the number of assets you all got back from the trades. What does the offseason look like for you all? Is it going to be you're going to use those uh, draft picks to draft players or or potentially moving some of those guys for um, someone to sign or maybe going somewhere in free agency trying to find players to help you all out? I would uh, jab an all of the above box to that question. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, you know, we're going to go in with an open mind. Obviously, our amateur scouts are going to prepare to have three first round picks and uh, two thirds. Uh, but if you just look at the draft capital itself, so what, what we can do is, is maybe package those uh, later picks with our top pick and move up. Uh, I don't think we will move back with our first uh, overall, like our first round, or our high first round pick. Uh, but with those two seconds, you can near those two later first. We can take one. We could package those for one pick a little higher. We could pick both of those. We could use one of those to move back and get two seconds. So you end up with a two first, two seconds, two thirds. Also, you can use those picks to get players and a trade. And if we do that, though, I, it won't be for a player that has one year left on his contract. It's going to be UFA. It'll be a player. If we use those picks for players. It's going to be players that we see envision in our group for a number of years moving forward uh, that fit into that, you know, that, you know, anywhere from 23 to 27 uh, age bracket. Well, an army approaching free agency this summer, too. It looks like, at least right now, that you guys have very little cap space to work with. But obviously, looking, you guys are missing a centerman, right? So what? how are you guys going to approach the free agency of looking for possibly another centerman or are you going to have to possibly move around some other contracts or how are you going to approach that and especially I think a lot of people look at Ryan O'Reilly that possibility of him returning I know that you can't obviously reveal all that and you said that you're going to approach it um, the way that you guys have it planned right now but is that door possibly still open for O'Reilly well, I, I don't want to talk about Ryan. Obviously, uh, the league. Uh, I don't want to get hit with tampering charges. But <laughs> as, as you saw, as you saw this year at the trade deadline, there's there's a, a plethora of ways to move money around in the league. So I'm not concerned about if if there's an opportunity to get a player that we like to to move money around if necessary. Um, but also, we want to we want to stay consistent. Uh, we don't want to bring a player in that that doesn't. We we can't see on and off ice value. Uh, but if we can find that player, we'll, we'll do that. And uh, free agency is going to be an interesting time. Uh, when you look at this year's class, it doesn't seem to have the, the top-end superstar power. And even if it did, this wouldn't be a year for St. Louis to 
to get into that because you you know a player is going to want to go there where they're they're they, they see I, I think we're going to be that team in, in a, a year from now or like the free agency or the summer after that where you 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 look and say okay I you know right now for us you look at a player like Bolduke or play player like Snoggerud we know who they are but current NHL players don't know who they are. If they do, they just know that they're high-scoring prospects. You know, if you're going to sign with the team, you want to know that they're high-scoring NHL players. So I think we're in a good spot to grow, but I don't think this is the summer for us to to do what we've done in the past and go all in and free agency. And, of course, you mentioned there that you guys want to be competitive, really competitive again, competitive again next season. And I know everybody's like, all right, we want to get back to 2019, what you guys captured there, winning a Stanley Cup, getting back to that as soon as possible. But it really seems like with what you guys are building right now, a lot of the youth movement, younger guys, a lot of speed, a lot of scoring, um, it seems like it's very different identity-wise than that 2019 group. So, with what you're building now, is it very different, you would say, than that 2019 group that won the Stanley Cup? Oh, t- totally different. If you if you look at the age of that group, uh, they they were mature players, really almost from, uh, take Robbie Thomas out from, from top to bottom of the guys that played every night. A lot of guys in their late 20s, early 30s. Uh, and if you look at 2019, there was a lot of heartache started in 2010. We had some great teams that couldn't get through. We lost, uh, you know, to the defending the Stanley Cup champions, I think, uh, four times in that time, twice to Chicago, twice to L.A. Uh, so th- those were teams that were growing. To think that we're, we're nowhere near the maturity level of, of that team right now, but we're growing towards that. Uh, so, I, you know, 2019 is where we want to get back to the results, but, you know, we, we just don't have the maturity in our group to, to, to do that right now, and we're quite honestly not looking to have that maturity. We're looking for players like Tucker, players like Alexandrov, players like neighbors to learn how to grow and if you look at that team there was no growing in that team they, they were the finished product hey hey army earlier this year you spoke about your hesitance to bring up some of the players from springfield this team now is vastly different from the team that started the season what have you seen from some of those those young players that you have had to bring up well i thought alexandrov had a, has had a, is really finding his footing right now he's been very good the last couple of games uh, craig and i were just having a coffee uh, before he went to practice talking about tucker and the start of the alley game he had some real physical play to it so they're, they're finding their footing and they're, they're getting uh, very comfortable i would say the last three or four games that uh you know the the newer players have 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 provided the, the end you know, honestly, uh, they're, they're, they understand the situation. I thought they're, they're starting to play better. I think we're going to finish strong at that, the, the, the end of the season here. Uh, you know, there's things that we still continue need to work on. And one of the things as an organization that we want to do is we want to, this is almost the start of, of next year. Now we want to put the foundation in. So we're not starting from scratch at training camp because the players know almost all of these guys or most of these guys are coming back. And so we're, we're certainly not looking just to show up and, and, and not work hard, not practice hard, not put that foundation in. It's a great opportunity for our coaches and players to, to really get a step up on next year uh, where other teams are still, you know, fighting for, for to, today. Well, and one last little question for you. You kind of mentioned there, guys, who are still fighting now. Somebody who's standing out to me is Pavel Buchnevich with a five-game point streak. Can you just talk about what he's done and bringing him over to the Blues and how he's helped this group so much? Yeah, well, when we got him, he he was a very good player last year in a team that had uh, you know 109 points and and a little bit of playoff success, winning around and 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 playing good against Colorado. Uh, 
he's a very good player because he can play. Uh, Craig has him play all three forward positions. Uh, I saw him at center, obviously, the other game when Thomas got hurt. Uh, he's a passer, uh, uh, underrated passer, a good scorer. So touches all areas of our game. He's a, he's a player that we need to – He's in, and quite honestly, he's taken a really big part of our culture, of our leadership of wanting to get back quickly, and we need everyone doing that. But uh, if you're a young player, you could follow someone like uh, Powell right now on the preparation needed uh, to, to be a good player. He's been a, he's been a really good player for us, and we're excited for him because he's right in that age group of guys we need to be good players. Army, thanks so much for your time, and good luck tomorrow night versus Arizona. Okay, thank you very much. We'll talk to everybody soon. Appreciate it. That was Blues GM Doug Armstrong, and, you know, he had some I, – I thought it was an outstanding job just giving us an insight. He said all of the above as to draft picks, <laughs> <laughs> signing players, and, and, and all of those things. It's going to be an exciting time this offseason. Obviously, you got to finish out this season the right way, but looking forward, I, I think this Blues team is going to be headed in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, and look, I, I just wanted to put him a little bit on the spot with the Ryan O'Reilly question there. Of course, he's not going to give us the exact answer, but <laughs> I just want to say – I just, I just want to see another million dollar hit on that cap yeah. when it's barely going up Brooklyn. i know Come on. i know but it's interesting how much he touches on the age rage thing and you can i think he's being very honest with that with the guys that he's looking at he wants those guys under 30 and it's the youth movement right now at the blues is that what we're going to call it now i think the so. youth wave I, just, youth yeah. I didn't expect i didn't expect him to i didn't expect that answer to be so focused on maturity as opposed to like stylistic differences with the roster, I was—I mean, I'm not saying that it's you know, obviously it's an apparent difference, uh, but not the answer I was expecting from Doug on that. Yeah, <laughs> and he's building. They're building, retooling, whatever you want to call it. It's changing. All of that. That's Brooke. I'm Kerry. Coming up, the Randy and I agreed that the Cardinals are going to average eight runs a game, so they're going to score a lot. But we all know pitching is what wins championship, and they've been a little bit of a struggle so far this season. We'll dig into it next on the opening drive. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to break down the biggest sports story of the day on the Opening Drive with today's big thing. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. I trust his his judgment. You know, I think uh, I, I think he'll ultimately. You know, if 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 he feels like his body is is not in a position to do uh, what he wants it to do in this World Baseball Classic and potentially jeopardize uh, any of the season for the Cardinals, I think you'll see him make the right decision. That was Matt Holiday joining the fast lane on Friday, talking about one Adam Wainwright and whether or not he was going to pitch in the baseball classic, World Baseball Classic. Brooke, we, we've talked about the the Cardinals and their potential for success this season. We understand they have uh, – they added Wilson Contreras. You got two MVP candidates in Arenado and Goldie. You potentially have a Rookie of the Year candidate in Jordan Walker. You got uh, Tyler O'Neill, who was top 10 in MVP a few years ago. You have a lot of guys in that lineup. When they're doing well, they're going to be able to score a lot of runs. The concern is and has been, you know, the entire offseason, pitching, 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 pitching. Adam Wainwright going into his final year, 41 years old, an older gentleman. I'm an older gentleman, so I, I, I tip my cap to Waino. But you, 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 your concern for the level of pitching and the injuries going into this season and, and how they fare so far in spring training. 
I I'm I'm a little little bit concerned. I'm not trying to be too concerned because obviously it's just spring training and it's early on. But here's my concern when it comes to Adam Wainwright because of what we saw last season. September Wayno, we obviously know mm-hmm. a lot of issues there, and he finally revealed after the fact. But he was so great that first five months of the season. He right. was the Wayno that you needed, right. and then he started having some mechanical issues. Yep. And his stride, his stride length, he wasn't hitting the yeah, correct. Yeah, well, spot. he took the comebacker yeah, to the knee, yeah. and he said that that was the cause yeah, of it. Impacted everything. And then now going into spring training, he got there earlier. He got an earlier start because mm-hmm. of the World Baseball Classic, so he should be a little bit more on schedule. And that's what concerns me: the velo not being where it should be concerns me. I know that it went up like just like a little bit mm-hmm. after his second start, but still, we see the numbers. Right. We see how he's doing the spring training. It's not great. And here's the other thing. Miles Michaelis is really the only consistent starter for the Cardinals right now. The starting with the starting rotation, he's the only one that seems to be actually doing well. Now Jack Flaherty will be pitching today. His mm-hmm. he he had to get pushed back a little bit because he had flu-like symptoms and I think that really raised some alarm yeah, bells for some people. Fear. <laughs> so it is a little concerning going to the season, but it seems like you do have a lot of depth. You do have options. You have Dakota Hudson, you have mm-hmm. Matthew Libertor as well. Those are options, but I, I don't know if the starting rotation is going to go into the season like we were expecting it to. Health is going to be a, a concern. You, you talked about Michael as being the one consistent. Um, Adam Wainwright obviously struggled a little bit. You talked about the velo there. Steven Matz, do we know what we're going to get? Jack Flaherty, if he's right, if he's healthy day-to-day right now, if he's healthy and ready to go, he's your ace. Jordan Montgomery kind of got lit up yesterday. That was a that was a a little bit a sight to see. I didn't expect that to happen. I am of the mindset I can't say I can't be so excited for what Jordan Walker does because he's playing well, and then see someone not performing well and say, "Oh well, it's just spring training." I, I want to be consistent, and so when I see someone performing well, obviously that's what you want to see. When I see someone not performing well. I really pay attention to it because I think it matters. And I know it's still early. I know baseball is a long season. It's not like any other sport. There are so many games and, and so many days that they have to try it out there. But I will give you this example. Yesterday in that game, uh, the, the pitcher for the, for the Mets, Kota Singa, was, was struggling. And he, he got a couple of let a couple of runners on and fought his way out of that jam to, to not allow any runs in that first inning. And that, to me, is – he, he didn't look good. He was throwing balls left and right, couldn't get the ball over the plate, uh, and finally got some outs and got some things rolling. And to me, when you are a, a star or a superstar, it doesn't matter when you're playing. You're always going to find a way to compete and battle and give everything you got. And when you're struggling and not performing well, that does give me a little bit of cost, a little bit of concern because it, I'm worried about if this is going to be a, a year-long, a season-long thing. I hope not. I know it's one game, but I it's something that I pay attention to. Yeah, and it's fair because of also what happened last season as well, as I mentioned in September, because it was a noticeable difference. And I think that's the concern level is, okay, was September a glimpse into what we were going to see from Adam Wainwright this season? Is he not going to be able to perform at the level that he did even at the beginning of last season? That's the concern going into this. And the next time that we will see him pitch is not until the World Baseball Classic. Right. That's... That's the next time we're going to see him pitch. Yep. So maybe if all things are are well. Well, and then that's the thing is, are they going to keep him to a certain pitch count? Mm-hmm. I mean, are there is there things that they're even going to do as well to kind of monitor this for him in this situation? 
but maybe it will be a good thing for him to have somewhat of a break. But I feel like the World Baseball Classic, if things aren't exactly going well also for him in that game, that's when alarm bells are really, really going to be going off of, okay, what is the starting rotation even going to look like going into this season for the Cardinals? Does that give you more concern that they didn't re-sign Quintana or they didn't go out and and find that that other pitcher that could have helped this this starting rotation going forward? A hundred percent. I've been anybody. I think I even said it Friday. I'm yeah. all in on Jose Quintana should have re-signed. Yep. And I know that the Mets threw stupid money at him. It's hard to compete with that. But he is talented. He was great. He also knows Wilson Contreras. It was a perfect fit the right. way that he was able to come in. And even, yeah, Jordan Montgomery was great when he first came over as well. And then kind of struggled yeah. a little bit. Yep. But Jose Quintana was like a strong, consistent guy on the mound for you. He was probably your best pitcher down the stretch. I mean, Jordan Montgomery, when he got here, was outstanding. We thought, you know, well, why would the Mets let him go? And he kind of kind of tailed off towards the end of the season. And, and Quintana was was pitching well. He was pitching well in that in that playoff game that they that they pulled him out of. I was surprised as well. And I think I hope that not signing a pitcher, not signing a a starting pitcher does not come back and bite them. I know you talked about uh, we've talked about Palante. We've talked about Libertor. We've talked about Dakota Hudson, though. The jury is still out, though. We, we still haven't seen enough of them to know that they can be a an every a, a, a every five day starter. We need guys that are going to be able to stay healthy and perform well when the time when their time is called. And I think that's what they're looking at right now is, OK, we have enough depth. We have Matthew Libator. We have other guys. Even an Andre Pallante is an yep. option as a starter for you as well. So I feel like they're thinking in that way of we have plenty of depth, but if the wheels start falling off and you don't have Jordan Montgomery performing the way that he should, Adam Wainwright continues to struggle, can't get that velo up, Jack Flaherty. I mean, I, Jack Flaherty, this seems to just be a flu issue. Right. So I'm just going to take it as that. But it does cause concern anytime he has letters <laughs> next to his name. I-L, day-to-day, whatever the yeah. case may be. It, because we know so much is riding on his performance. He knows that as well. Um, but until you see it, you know, game after game, every start after start, you're, you're going to still have a little bit of hesitance in you because you need to see it to feel a little, feel more comfortable about his his season going forward. Yeah, well, we'll just have to wait and see until the World <laughs> Baseball Classic for Wayno. We will see. That's Brooke. I'm Kerry. Coming up next, get your text into three one four three nine 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 six four six, or leave us a mic drop at the one hundred one ESPN app. We want to know your thoughts about Army and and what he thinks about the Blues season going forward and the off season. That's next on the opening drive. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Well, I thought Alexandrov had a, has had a, is really finding his footing right now. He's been very good the last couple of games. Uh, Craig and I were just having a coffee uh, before he went to practice talking about Tucker and the start of the alley game, he had some real physical play to it. So they're, they're finding their footing and they're, they're getting uh, very comfortable. I would say the last three or four games that, uh, you know, the, the newer players have, have you know, I don't think uh, they're, they're, they understand the situation. I thought they're, they're starting to play better. I think we're going to finish strong at that, the, the, the end of the season here. Uh, you know, there's things that we still continue need to work on. And one of the things as an organization that we want to do is we want to, this is almost the start of, of next year now. We want to put the foundation in so we're not starting from scratch at training camp because the players know a num- almost all of these guys or most of these guys are coming back. And so we're... 
That was Doug Armstrong from earlier today talking about the younger players that they brought up. This is Kerry Davis joined by Brooke Grimsley. And, Brooke, we were talking to Army about, you know, a multitude of things. And get your texts in if you if you want to have a discussion. Text in 314-399-9646 or leave a mic drop at the 101 ESPN mic, dro- mic drop app. Brooke, the Blues have... They traded away a lot of players that that have been here for a long time, guys that have been champions, guys that have have helped them be successful. What are your thoughts about these younger players and and how they have been able to, I guess, mature in a in a short span of time? And what more do you need to see from them in order to, to for this team to become a championship team in the future? Well, I mean, he even said it there is that you know they're looking at the youth. He's built a lot of things around that young core of the Robert Thomas, Jordan, Cairo. I think now it's going to be just them being more comfortable with, okay, this is what we're working with. This is who we are. It's time for us to step up and take things over and make it their own. I think that's what he's really wanting from yeah. this young group, especially a Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. You have them sign those big giant right. contracts before the season started. I think we didn't expect the season to go like this, but you could tell that he's been pushing this team towards that. A younger group, younger, faster, hopefully even faster, Mm -hmm. high goal scoring, not as much of what we saw with that 2019 team. And that's why I wanted to ask him that question about the 2019 team, because I think everybody's like, how do we get back to that point? How do we get back to 2019 Blues? And he even said it. He said, we're not trying to get back to that. <laughs> the style this of play. This is different. Yeah, it's gonna this be is a, different. It's going to be a different style of play. You don't have you know, those same type of players, those same types of bodies in the building anymore. You got fast, quicker guys, guys that are able to, to make athletic, skillful plays. And, and I guess hopefully that's going to be the mindset and the style. You do have to have a style. It doesn't have to be the thing that won you the championship in the past, but whatever your style is, every person has to commit to that style. We were talking to Lutz earlier, Lutz Fannistil, and he talked about the style of play that they have. Each person has to do their job. If not, it's like a house of cards falling down if one person isn't isn't doing their part. And it's similar to this Blues team. Every person, whatever your style of play is, commit to it and do your job to the best of your ability. If one person isn't pulling the rope in the right direction, it's, all, it's not going to work in, in, in the manner in which you want it to. It's just interesting. It's interesting to see this group being retooled, rebuilt, and look vastly different than what we saw even in recent years and how quickly that's changed. I think that's Army maybe recognizing a trend within the league as well, that things are moving faster. And maybe he's trying to build his group where he knows, okay, it's going to be a little bit of a growing pain because you are looking towards your younger players, but it will eventually play off and they will be more competitive. Hopefully by next season. I mean, because you can't have this season happen again, especially when you had prior to that, I mean, multiple 20-plus goal scores, and then this happens this season where guys just seem to fall flat and not really playing for each other. You can't have that same thing happen next season. Army talked about assets and, and the assets that they got back in the trade. I asked them, we asked them, well, are they going to trade pick, trade picks? Are they going to trade them? Are they going to draft them? Or are they going to sign free agents in the offseason? You know, we're going to go in with an open mind. Obviously, our amateur scouts are going to prepare to have three first-round picks and uh, two-thirds. Uh, but if you just look at the draft capital itself, so what, what we can do is is maybe package those uh, later picks with our top pick and move up. Uh, but with those two seconds, you can near those two later first. We can take one. We could package those for one pick a little higher. We could pick both. We could use one of those to move back and get two seconds. So you end up with uh, two first, two seconds, two thirds. Also, you can use those picks to get players and 
a trade. And if we do that, though, I, it won't be for a player that has one year left on his contract. It's going to be UFA. It'll be a player. If we use those picks for players, it's going to be players that we see envision in our group for a number of years moving forward. We also asked Army about as he's building this team, what's the biggest difference for them now? If you look at 2019, there was a lot of heartache started in 2010. We had some great teams that couldn't get through. We lost, uh, you know, to the defending through the Stanley Cup champions, I think uh, four times in that time, twice to Chicago, twice to L.A. Uh, so th- those were teams that were growing. To think that we're, we're nowhere near the maturity level of, of that team right now, but we're growing towards that. Uh, so, I, you know, 2019 is where we want to get back to the results. But, you know, we, we just don't have the maturity in our group to, to, to do that right now. And we're quite honestly not looking to have that maturity. We're looking for players like Tucker, players like Alexandrov, players like neighbors to learn how to grow. And if you look at that team, there was no growing in that team. They, they were the finished products. Yeah, that's, that's him pretty much saying we're going to go through some growing pains here. Yeah. So stick with us. But maybe you'll like the result. That's what he's saying is yeah. that you'll like the result in the end of hopefully winning another cup, being competitive enough to win another Stanley Cup. But it sounds like it is going to take a little bit of time for these guys to get on the right maturity level where mm-hmm. they are prepared to handle that. I think the the thing I wanted to know when, when we asked about the draft picks, because they do have a lot of draft capital. They do have an opportunity to get this team better quickly if they trade players for, for a player or if they go into free agent and, and are able to sign someone. If they draft if they use all of those draft picks to actually draft players, we're looking at a much longer process. And I don't know that that as fans, we would be willing to to wait around to see how long that's going to take because you've won a championship now. You know what that feeling is. You've seen it. You've had the success. Right now is a tough time because you've traded away multiple players from that team that were were very good players for a long time here in a Blues uniform. Going forward, finding the people that are going to be leaders of this team, compete, hold each other accountable, whether it be in free agency, whether it be in the draft, whether it be trading draft picks to sign those guys, whether or not they're already here, those guys are going to be vital for what this team is in the future and and how quickly this, this rebound takes place. Well, and also the elephant in the room, right, is Blue's defense. Something has to change there. Now, have we seen a little bit of an upside from Pareko lately? There's glimpses of him where he is performing really, really well. How do we get that on a consistent basis? Is it finding the right pairing for him where you can kind of capture that 2019 version of him when he was with Jay Bomeister? Mm-hmm. I mean, defensively, there are some big question marks there because – Whatever's happening now is not helping Bennington. It's not helping your guys who are on the ice. Defensively, things need to change. And that's also partly on the forwards as well, yeah. that everybody needs to do better in that area. How do you fix that for next season is going to be my question. For me, that's a, a mindset, a, just, a, just a mentality, a will to do it. Normally, you know, guys have to want to, to, to skate hard or want to help out and do their job. It's not all about scoring. I think a lot of the, the issues that the Blues have had at times is from the forwards not participating as much on the defensive end, which – when you look at the defenders, defensemen, you say, oh, they're not doing their job. Yeah, but they need a little bit more help from the forwards. And so 
it's all inclusive. Everyone buying in, doing their job, playing harder. It's not about the skill set. This team has more than enough talent. They just Jordan Cairo has has more than enough talent. Kasperi Kapanen has enough talent. Robert Thomas does. They got guys that can score the puck. Buchnevich, I can go on and on. They've got guys that can do that, but their ability or will to get back on the defensive end in the defensive zone and actually compete, not just stick your stick out there, put a body on someone and prevent them from making a pass or making a shot. I think that's what's what has to change for this team to be more successful. More checking, forechecking, backchecking, all of it. And I, I thought that was interesting that he said Tyler Tucker as well. Yeah. Tyler Tucker is not a name that I was expecting to see at any point with the Blues this season. But the way that he came up here and he makes his presence known, he sticks up for his teammates. I think that was really telling that Doug Armstrong even mentioned his name because I think that's what he's wanting to see more from his guys. Yeah. There was a point where where he was hesitant to bring some of those younger guys up because they didn't play the right way. They, I mean, the Blues at the time weren't playing the game the right way, and they were playing the game the right way in Springfield. Hopefully, some of that mindset uh, can can change with some of these younger guys coming up here and 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 really having the time on the ice, playing more minutes, and really helping this team understand how they're going to win championships. Like you said, Brooke, the style is going to be vastly different, and it may look different for Blues fans. It may take a while for for fans to really get into this new style of play because it's not going to be nearly as physical. It's going to be more speed and, and more athleticism, but if it's done the right way, it can lead to a championship. It just has to be more consistent all, all throughout. That's true. That's Brooke. I'm Kerry. 101 ESPN has your chance to score a pair of tickets to see Guns N' Roses on September 9th at Bush Stadium. Tickets for Guns N' Roses are on sale now, or you can text in to win a free pair of tickets from the 101 ESPN at 314-399-9646. You can find all the ticket info and bonus chance to register to win tickets for Guns N' Roses live at Bush Stadium right now on your 101 ESPN mobile app or at 101ESPN.com. Coming up next, there's been some uh, things going on in the basketball world. Darvin Ham of the Lakers calling out some players. And what is Ja Morant doing? We'll discuss it next on Rock and Roll on ESPN, 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Talked about the Guns N' Roses tickets. Text in texter number 38 with the answer to this question from Rockio will win the tickets. What you got, Rock? There was a lot of goals that happened on Saturday at City Park, but here's the question. <laughs> Who scored oh. the first ever home goal for St. Louis City in open play? <laughs> Who scored the first ever goal for St. Louis City in open play? In fact, let's say it even better. Who gave St. Louis a nice little gift with another uh, goal. A Christmas gift? Maybe even Maybe. a Christmas gift. Oh, Who scored good. the first ever open play goal? Text number 38 wins our tickets to Guns and Roses. And Carrie, we're about to talk a little basketball. Yeah. How can the listeners hear a little bit more? Some more basketball talk, maybe? Well, the tournament is around the corner, and you can show off your NCAA tourney knowledge by signing up to play in this year's 101 ESPN Bracket Madness, Madness Pick'em Challenge. You can register now to participate at 101 ESPN.com. Once the bracket is set, make your picks for this year's tournament. It's free to enter, and the top score will take home a $250 Fanatics gift card and a 101 ESPN pack 
prize pack. See the contestant, see the contest rules and get signed up to play in the Bracket Madness at now at 101ESPN.com. 101ESPN's Bracket Madness Pick'em Challenge is brought to you by Bud Light and Twin Peaks. I was giggling because literally before we started our show today, I said, that's going to be a trivia question, mm-hmm. is what you. what is technically the first, first goal? And, I, and I'm like, okay, we can't get too technical with <laughs> oh, this. Rock they can all get count, as technical right? as he would like. <laughs> that's going to be <laughs> his go-to when trivia. When we literally tell you the answer earlier uh, on in the show, and we say it a couple times throughout the show, you just got to be paying attention pay and you're attention. going to Guns N' Roses. There you go. Like, I mean, come on. That's all you got to do, Brooke, is pay a little attention, and you're going to Guns N' Roses just like that. Nice. We, we got a little rock and roll. Rock, what you got for us? Yes, we do. We're going to have to kick, I think, uh, the Lakers one to, to tomorrow. Okay. Because I, 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 we got to get into right now what is easily the biggest topic. I mean, this is right now, and Kevin Durant's playing for the, the Suns, and that could be a big topic. But the big topic right now has to be the fact that John Morant mm. has been uh, asked to leave the Grizzlies for a break right now. The fact that they're not calling it a suspension I thought was a little bit odd, Kerry Davis. But the bottom line is uh, John John Morant's got himself in a lot of trouble. There was an incident about a week ago where he assaulted a 17-year-old, um, and now the big problem coming up now is that he was at a strip club. He went on Instagram Live, and in the video of him at the strip club, you see him shirtless and then holding and pointing a small pistol. Again, the Memphis Grizzlies have now uh, put him on a, I guess you want to call it a leave of absence or yeah. a break. Hiatus. Oh, oh, yeah, hiatus is a better word, but they're not using the word suspension. But overall, I think it's tough to see a young basketball star who's supposed to revitalize a city that already has such a recent history with gun violence mm-hmm. take this turn and it really is kind of a heartbreaking story right now in the NBA carry yeah and I think Taylor Jenkins said they I thought they initially said two games but they have reported that maybe indefinitely they, indefinitely they don't know when he'll be back it's unfortunate because you know as a young man he's 23 years old as a young man you get money you have friends you have uh influence that maybe should not be around you but it's 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 an unfortunate thing and he has to decide and only he can make this decision whether or not he wants to do the right thing because all of his other friends he's the one with the money he's the one you know with the fame with the with the the notoriety so everyone is looking to him and talking to him if he wants to make dumbass decisions they're going to allow him because what happens is if you are one of those friends that call him out well then you're no longer in the circle you're no longer able to go to the games you're no longer able to go on the private jet so it becomes a a selfish thing in their own right where they don't want to put themselves out and not allow themselves to partake in some of those things even if they're telling him the right thing so John Morant who is making and going to make millions upon millions of dollars has to make a decision for himself to do the right thing. And anytime you have a gun involved or you're flashing a gun or showing a gun, I, I, I you don't pull out a gun unless you plan on using it. It's not to show. It's not for play. It's not to joke around. Things like that can cause a lot of damage in your life. And hopefully, hopefully, this time away from the Memphis Grizzlies will allow him to, you know, reset and really understand, you know, where he needs to be and what he needs to do. Well, he has to, right? Because, yeah. I mean, it wasn't just this one incident. There was other incidents leading up to it, yep. including, what is it, possibly assaulting someone as well. Yep. And, and, and the issue with his team, with his friends, uh, allegedly point a, a, a laser at the Indiana Pacers yeah. staff or, or bus. Like, it's, it's a it's lot. Just, it's, it's too much, and it's distracting. I mean, you know, playing with a group of guys – when you have something like that going on, it also, I'm sure, to the teammates and other people, looks like you're being selfish right. because you're distracting. You're in the middle of a season right yep. now. You shouldn't be having antics like that happen. 
He is 23 years old. He is young. So, yes, he has room to grow here. Hopefully he will learn from this. But it's such a bad look. And it looks selfish. It really does. And you're talking about having, like, yes men around. You yeah. have to get the yes men around you. You have Here's to have people that challenge and hold yep. you accountable. Yep. I, I This is one of the first times where I actually don't think that's the biggest part about it right now. Because this, this isn't... This isn't him being around a group of people from when he was a kid or when he was in college that are bad influences. This is him developing what he feels to be needs to be his persona because of the money and the fame. This isn't who he was when he got drafted. This is this isn't and this there's not people around him affecting this decision. This is John Morant making making the classical worst case decisions when you give a 20-year-old millions and millions of dollars this isn't you know this isn't a any of that that we usually see with this story this is a hundred percent one young man making a lot of very bad decisions while he's on the most public place possible and and that's really the kind of heartbreaking part about it is that it seems to be other than other than maybe his father who, who, who and T T Morant gets into a lot of stuff. He has a lot of fun on Twitter, but you know it, it, it gets close to the line, and we always laugh at it. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe this is we're seeing the other coin of the dad being the guy who's always ready to kind of you know jaw at other people in the stands and things like that. Because his, his dad's clearly not doesn't have a huge problem with it from what we've seen him, well, from him being around job. I don't I don't know that that's true. I can't say that his father doesn't have. I mean he's he's enjoying his son being a superstar. In the NBA, so he's 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 taking that in. I, I can't say that he's uh, allowing or you know condoning this behavior. We had Moon in last week, and he talked about athletes wanting to be rock stars, and rock stars wanting to be athletes. The rock stars are rappers, and, and athletes want to have that life. They they sometimes you know you you sometimes you grow up in that in that environment, and sometimes you kind of pull yourself or or get closer to that environment the more money you have. He's just making poor choices. And it doesn't matter where you grew up at. It doesn't matter uh, where you come from. If you choose to go down that path and make that choice, it's it's a de- it's detrimental to yourself and everyone that is around you. And I, I try to explain this to my high school kids all the time about making good choices. There is nothing good. There is nothing good going to take place after 12 a.m., in a club mm-hmm. with a gun mm-hmm. with a social media. Yeah, he hit. He there hit. The, is, he hit like he, the he four or the five when Tony, 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 Tony tried gun, to gun G five. Gun, yeah. alcohol after after midnight. Women you know or don't know very well, and it was one more. There are there are four. He hit four out of five. Yeah, Tony Dungy did that in like 05, so social media wasn't on the list yet. But I think we can amend it and add it. There are there are you you make you're making poor choices. You add social media to it, where everyone wants to be seen for good and or bad, and there you go. And now you're looking on the outside, looking in. And here's the thing: everybody is looking at you like you are a fool, because you are the face of the Memphis Grizzly. Grizzlies, potentially the face of the NBA once uh, LeBron James retires. The, the, you are in the in the direct limelight of everything good that can happen to you, and you're about to blow it away for I don't know how many followers he has on Instagram, but I guarantee you it ain't how much money he can make in the NBA. And one last story here. The one, the main reason I, I had to push the Lakers is because we have some breaking news. Adam Schefter tweeted it about 30 minutes ago. Diana Rossini now all but confirming it. Derek Carr looks like he's going to be signing with the New Orleans Saints. Ooh. So they, they lose their former head coach, bring in a new quarterback after a few years post-Drew Brees. Your thoughts right here before the end of the show, Kerry, yeah. on Derek Carr to the Saints. I, and that fit. I, I like it. That team needed a quarterback, and that team, if everyone is healthy, 
Uh, you got some. You got some ball players on that on that roster. I like it. It's it's not terrible, right? I, I'm not I'm not against it. It I'm makes not, sense. Uh, yeah. I, I, and and in that division where you know under 500 can win you the division, I I think it's a good choice as well. Round first round of action of the NCAA tournament tips off next week. 101 will be will be getting in on the fun by going to watch the games at Max Downtown Alton. We'll be broadcasting live next Thursday and Friday, live from Max with BK and Ferrario from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. and the Fast Lane from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. There will be plenty of screens to watch all of the first round madness, plus delicious food or delicious food, the coldest beer, tons of 101 ESPN giveaways, and more. <laughs> BK and Ferrario, the Fast Lane, live next week, Thursday and Friday for the NCAA tourney at Max Downtown Alton. Uh, someone, it's going to be a good time for those guys. We got delicious minus the D. <laughs> right. <laughs> Good time for those guys. Hey, we uh hey, is Tommy still in there? No. He left. Uh, we're trying to figure out when when the opening drive gets to venture out into the city. You and Randy are actually going to be live uh opening day. Opening day morning, you and you and Randy are going to be live uh, on the remote. Right. Uh, you, Randy, and Brooke. Excuse me, my bad. I'm yeah, sorry. What are you doing? Thank What's you. It's the first day. I'm sorry. I'm getting used to it. Literally, is waving her hands like, like she's landing an airplane. Hey, hey, hey! What's going on here? We we need we need cameras in here so you guys can see. I'm just like literally over here waving my hands like hi. I'm so sorry. I'm also Brooke. here. I'm I guess so I'm. Sorry, I won't Brooke. be there opening day. No, I'm kidding. I'll be there. First, it takes me like two days to retweet your announcement tweet. Now this, oh. I'm just. I, I'm, I'm, I'm totally friend, not co-worker. holding any of this no, against you. No. I'm forgetting every little thing. I promise. It's not be, remembering any of it's it. Be a fun post show meeting, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it will be. Hey, Brooke, thank you for today. You was awesome. First real day, I guess you yes. could say. First of many. We look forward to it, and we're gonna have fun. We are gonna have fun. And Carrie Davis, thank you. Thank you. Man. <laughs> That's it for us. Uh, coming up next, you got a balloon party with Ajax and T Mac. That's next on 101 ESPN. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.